Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, a show where we try and talk about movies, but now we talk about anything and everything else. I'm your host, Michael Breslin. To my right is... Colin Heron. And to my left, very special guest, filling in for Sean Coyle. Rory McSwiggin, how are you doing? Hey! <laughs> is it, isn't actually the first time you've been on the podcast, Rory? I think... Oh, it isn't? No, I was on it one other time when I was cycling through St. Colm's Park, and I was trying out my <laughs> periscope, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you asked me for... Uh, comment on a film and i luckily had seen what was it true story true story, true story yeah with um james franklin and Jonah Hill. Uh, yeah and uh, I, I gave you my one line comment on that so i didn't Which actually hear how that turned don't, out don't watch it I don't, watch it, uh, don't watch <laughs> it it's uh, very disappointing sort of like that, i so. just finished talking about it too i said how great it was, was <laughs> well i didn't say how great it was i said i, I understood more about it on on hindsight because hey, it's just Rory's thick and just didn't get it. Though. Yeah, that will be. That unfortunately will be a theme. We, we, we were just talking there before we started about uh, the sixth sense and how somebody um, showed me the sixth sense and and had to point out the twist to me. Oh, that yeah, that was the twist. Yeah, you, all right. So I, I'm sort of famous, unfortunately, for not getting things in films. I thought it was that, but with Bruce Willis was dancing at the end. No. <laughs> uh. See, I I talk that story as. You you got you got the film so much that you didn't realize him being dead at the end was a thing because you're like well obviously for the whole film he's been dead yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's we were also talking about um uh what the one in Berlin with uh, Mark Rylance and Tom Hanks Prejudice Spies and uh, I, I I think it was more along the lines of when somebody tells you something about a film and you haven't seen it and they and they in Bridge of Spies it's um where he keeps saying would it help would and it I help? and I heard that so many times before I actually saw the film <laughs> that I ended up going was that where he says it like three times I thought this was a major feature of the film and then then in the sixth sense it's like oh, that, oh, that's the twist right okay right sorry never tell people that there's <laughs> going to be a twist never tell people there's going to be a twist if you're a reviewer a film reviewer out there just do not tell people about the twist because I- the whole way through the film, then you're trying to figure out what exactly. the twist is going to be. It wrecks the whole film. On sure. you. Remember Ocean's Twelve? They did, they did that really stupid gag. Fuck Ocean's Twelve with, with <laughs> Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts' character playing Julia Roberts. Oh right, because she looked like Julia Roberts. Obviously, this because she is Julia Roberts, but mm-hmm. it was this whole sort of stupid joke, and that was a sort of a <laughs> stupid enough joke, and then. When Matt Damon, because Bruce Willis shows up and this kind of thing. So, Julia, Julia. <laughs> See, I think that joke would have played, right? If 
they did the editing style in the first one, if they just never said her name, it would have made it quite funny. If, if you just never heard her name, aye, if it just was like every time, oh, you kind of look like the aye, cut. And then because they they, they utilized that technique a lot in the first one, and it added for quite a lot of humor that oh, this is gonna be this kind of joke, and then they cut, and it makes the joke funny. And then even Bruce Willis showing up, even if he didn't say Julie, even him being there still would have been funny, you know, with the joke. Because you would have got what they were doing, but they weren't really hammering home a fairly weak joke. Another thing about the Bruce Willis thing that was reminding me of it was that Matt Damon talks about the twist at the, at the end of Sixth Sense to Bruce Willis in the film. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and even Bruce Willis, oh, so you knew that, did you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, as soon as I seen this in the film, and you know, I was just like, what the fuck he's doing? <laughs> Pack it up. Yeah. You know, Anyway. Well, well, like how how old was Six Sense by the time Ocean's Twelve? Uh, Six Sense yeah, is about fifteen years old. You know, it's like it's it's free reign at that stage. Like they talk about it. I don't know. I get I get fucking Usual Suspects fucked up on me, and it was ten years after it. I accidentally no, but like when you're getting into films, you're sixteen. You want to watch famous films. Uh, you know, when you watch these fucking things, and they tell you the end of the film. You're all like, oh, fucking day. Yeah, <laughs> I see. I I said it as a joke, assuming everyone had seen Usual Suspects, that someone hadn't seen Usual Suspects. I was like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to assume that people haven't seen things. I've had TV dramas destroyed by a presenter on the BBC a couple of times. I was a, 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 she'll re- remain nameless, but she's an arts presenter on BBC Radio Ulster. And her name begins her initials are ml um but uh you've never been is, they narrow that time. famous <laughs> and i've tweeted her and told her stop to stop ruining films stop ruining things she's she, assumes she, oh, she just fully seen, just kind of talks she about just it. goes oh i oh and it was a shame that he dies and the, the house goes on fire at the end and yeah i just everything is like she just ruins everything you, you get those kind of people who like if you if you bring up a film <laughs> And they're trying to remember it, and then they immediately always just say the biggest Aye. spoiler thing. It was like, Aye. oh, was, oh, like you know, what film the Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis. He's like, oh, the one where he's dead at the end. Oh, all right, okay. Aye. We are. You realize we are actually doing. <laughs> I know. We're actually doing, right. doing this, but everybody's seen Sixth Sense. Matt Damon did it, so it's okay for us to do. Well, yeah. he should know better, and um, we're going to try and what well, we can't know better now because we've just done it. But <laughs> there was this really famous <laughs> film, right? I was watching, and I hadn't seen it before. My dad walks in literally in the last five minutes. Did I tell you this before? No. Literally the last five minutes. What's us here anyway? I was all, ah, it's so-and-so. And he's all, all right, 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 it's coming to the big climax stand and all. And I was just all, he's all, I think I might have seen this, you know. He's all, I haven't. <laughs> right? He's all, all right, you haven't seen. He's all, I know, what's that, what's that, He's all, he's out of us. Right? So just <laughs> gone me, watch the film and stop talking over the film. It's coming to the very end. It's a really good film. He's all, and then he comes in, he's all, uh, <laughs> he's all that's right your man comes up and kills him now <laughs> yeah I, I said to him twice I haven't seen it <laughs> so shut your fucking mouth <laughs> do you know what I mean I think it's because he, he doesn't know how serious I take stuff like that like nah. do you know what I mean he just goes oh sure you, fuck, you know like, it's the same as every you know like no it's not I don't know it must it must be a universal thing things with Daz like there's a film I mean Daz is the same he he uh, a film will be on BBC and it'll be it'll only have been out like two years and he'll say oh I've seen this and I, no you haven't seen it how the hell could you have seen it <laughs> and actually I realised after a couple of years what it, what he had been doing RTE actually show a lot of films big premieres like really quietly without any fanfare uh, uh, and he I was sitting up late at night and watching all these films on RTE uh, 
and and like not let on about them. And then I think he did it deliberately to actually let people to destroy <laughs> them on people. Uh, I think because uh, remember ye- years ago, obviously like before you had money to buy tapes and things like that. There, you used to uh, well, I used to sort of work out how long it would take for that to be on TV. Oh, really? So it's like right about in video about six months. It'll be on TV in about about two years. Wait, November two years. You know when you would sort of, <laughs> you mark it you in your calendar. Of, yeah, you would sort of count it on. You're like, it's gonna be on now in the next couple of months now and all. And you know, it's just fucking stupid things they got there. Did it work? Ah, you know, you could roughly work it out. And then because yeah. I used to Keep buy ex rental tapes, so like I used to go to extra vision and you know, you get a tape for like what six or seven pound when it would cost fifteen in the thingy because they were trying mm. to get it there like fifty copies it when they came out and stuff and. Yeah, I can't remember most of those days. Mm. Used to call in every now and again and say, "Is that is that next rental yet?" Nah, it's, it's still still being very very rented. <laughs> a lot of people still like it. No, fuck it. Ah. Shite. Ah. <laughs> People's taste. You just talking people out of fucking renting the phone. Yeah, <laughs> shite. Nah, don't. Well, it wouldn't go for that one. Though. What? Nah, I wouldn't do it if I was you. He dies at the end. Aye, you just spoil the phone. Aye, he's dead at the end. He's dead. Aye. You know what he wants to see him dying? Just saved you two bibless hours. Aye. I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> rent Forever Young again with Mel Gibson. That's that's amazing. <laughs> I swear, yep, rent it again. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. My phone turned off. <laughs> fuck you, phone. Danger Bottle. It's mad how long it goes on for. It, it's, it surprises me. I always forget how long it is. <laughs> yeah, Danger Bottle is every week we get strange alcohol and we drink it to try it because. Strangely. That's the kind of people we are. Yeah. Upside Apart from down, Rory, obviously, who you know. does not drink. Yeah, I don't drink. So my Danger Bottle is a wonderful staple of this establishment, which is my and Colm's home. And it is uh, Tesco Everyday Value Sparkling Water. Just add water and fizz. And it's 17p from... Um, I was going to say 17%. Seven, they fucking hell by that. Well, it's probably, it's probably 17% chloride, sulfate, nitrate, uh, calcium, and magnesium. That's, so that's, like, half, that's like halfway to wine in there, it, 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 Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure um, if you left it there, it doesn't get left long enough in this house. Just whack so. a few grips in. Just, mm. just actually another first. This is the first... Uh, I know, I, I realised... <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I realised that when Rory said, oh, I were in my house, I was like, oh yeah, fuck, we never brought that <laughs> yeah. up. Uh, Mickey blanked and he was in someone else's house. I know. Like, so <laughs> just I know, this, this is the first podcast I've done not in pyjamas. Yeah. Which is... Very strange. I'm feeling very restricted. I don't think I, I can fully podcast without just, uh, the ease of pajamas. Can I take my jeans off if you want? <laughs> if you like, just let it all hang out. Yeah, hang out. <laughs> but uh, I remember uh, I was sitting here before. I remember because you, you brought that up before. You had your was it Avengers or Marvel pajama bottoms? Aye. And then you had a shirt and a tie. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the the shirt is is an actual like pajama top but it just it looks like a shirt oh right so i just like the smarten it up with a tie right. I, I went through a phase so actually. Ever seen you wear a tie i did actually go through a phase of uh, i had a pair of pajamas i don't wear pajamas anymore but less said about that but the better but uh when i was 10 15 years you ago you have a bad I experience did, with pajamas I, I did because i actually did decide to wear pajamas things. somebody said to me i think oh that's lovely them pajamas did you want and i decided the next day i was going to wear the pajamas top out in the street and I've had this stuff yeah and just just wore them there's actually it was on a video course at the time 
and uh, there was a video of me presenting this uh, cooking show in the Nerf Centre years ago, where wearing a pajama top uh, as a as a costume. And I, I used to wear my Superman pajamas under my school uniform. Aww. I used I used to do that, not specifically Superman ones, but in, in the winter to keep me warm. Aye, my friend your cousin Christopher did that about three years ago. He used to wear pajamas under his trousers, so you come in, you'd be sitting there, and he would just. And next thing you pull his trousers down <laughs> and then take it off and you'd be all out. And just see the pyjama bottoms end as soon as you got into the house. I was like, huh. Oh. It's, 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 it's <laughs> <laughs> I remember being really embarrassed one day because I think my primary school teacher was sort of, she had a fix on, on me, my shirt. And I was just all, <laughs> if, she, if she sees a Superman badge on, under this shirt, she's going to think I'm fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a six-year-old, like, I was paranoid about people thinking he, I'm mental. He thinks he's Superman. He thinks he's, Superman. <laughs> he's a wee bit mental. <laughs> <laughs> just calls you out and it makes you stand up in front of the class. Be all, go, go be Superman then, Dick. I think teachers <laughs> sort of assume that. You're a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck up, you bitch! That's not for a Superman language. No, no. Yeah, that's dark. Maybe, I, I that's dark Superman. That I'm not Superman. <laughs> when his hair's parted on the other side of his uh, head and stuff. And see, that wouldn't have got through the editorial department at the Daily Planet, though. Fuck up, you bitch. <laughs> no. I so danger bottle anyway. <laughs> yeah. Kind of went off and on there. An actual <laughs> alcoholic danger bottle. So. Uh yeah, it's red mulled wine, rich and fruity Spanish red wine from La Mancha, blended with warming spices. Mm. I wonder if that's what they were drinking when that film got destroyed by Terry Gilliam. Aye, just Terry Gilliam just... He just drank bottles of that. <laughs> he just he fucking... Just, just bust through the depression. <laughs> Fuck me. But I, I know what you're thinking. Why do I have mulled wine in September? <laughs> uh, I wasn't, but I am now. Because you, know, you, you can't buy mulled wine all year round, can you? It's Christ- uh, is it Christmas I think you thing? can, aye. Well, this, this is a very Christmassy bottle. And the reason I have it is about a month ago, I got it off Jill's auntie. And it was my Christmas present from last year. Oh, did you <laughs> use it for puddings and stuff? No, I suppose you just use port. Anyway, go, go ahead. But yeah, no, so I, I I got a Christmas present just like a month ago. Oh, nice one. And she kept saying, oh, we like it was all their Christmas presents, like Jill's whole family Christmas presents. So they got them all a month ago. She kept saying like, oh, I have Christmas presents in the house for you. They literally have like two minutes to <laughs> and just they never went there for months. For you think reason. they would have just waited until so, I don't know themselves? No, they have to buy more Christmas presents. Do you have for a, you? So this is last year's Christmas present? Yeah, this this is what I'm saying. This was last year's Christmas present. I I received it about a month ago. That's mental. I, she she also has an engagement card for me and Jill. Oh. Was, so that's <laughs> over a year ago we got engaged. <laughs> because she gave it to you after the wedding. Other time engagement card there as well. There's a theory that it doesn't exist. Aye. Which I was I it on Jesse Ventura's confirm. He was investigating whether it existed. Was it Jesse Ventura? Who's, Vin- who's Jesse Ventura? He's on late night in TCM when they stop putting films on. It's conspiracy theory with Jesse Ventura. Is it Jesse Ventura? Uh. I'm not sure. Jesse Ventura. Jesse. <laughs> if you Jesse say it in Ventura. an accent, then I'll get it. Like. Hi. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesse yeah, Ventura. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he wears yeah, a yeah, red yeah. jumper. Hi. <laughs> so we have another danger bottle here, do we? Or a half? Well, um, I thought I did, but I think, I think Harold drank it all at my birthday. I Harold loves the old fireball whiskey. He does. He's all, see out there. See out there. Fireball whiskey. Aye. 
That's that's Jesus. That's some stuff. I said this to you about four times. See out there, Fireball Whiskey. Aye, that's some stuff. Aye. Aye. He just starts repeating himself when he's really blocked and Aye. plays YouTube videos on his phone just for Aye. himself. I'd say, I'd say if he was drunk driving, he would just go around around about all the time. <laughs> That's it. He, you know, he probably wouldn't be any much danger to anybody. Like. I think other, there's, there's no harm to him. Just let him, just just let him tire That's, himself out. That's how he's around about. If he's ready, he hit the hardest round about. <laughs> the, have you had this Just before? let him go there, he runs out of petrol. <laughs> it, says, it says on the... Ignite the night. What you have here is a smooth liqueur with whiskey... And a fiery kick of red hot cinnamon. Jesus. It tastes like heaven, burns like, like hell. What happens next is up to you. Jesus, I just got a, bre- a whiff of, of the mulled wine. <laughs> the mulled wine is breath. fucking delicious. I know, it's mm. really nice because I'm not wild on the mulled wine. I prefer just regular oh, wine, but that's quite Christmas nice. Christmas anyway. Oh, oh, I'm glad. It's yeah. only a few months to Christmas. Uh, if you ever want to feel for Christmas, you just walk into a candle shop and smell like an apple and cinnamon candle. Mm. But, ah. Uh, in the height of summer. Take a bite it. Aye, take a bite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my brother was was convinced one time that this uh, peach shampoo had they taste lovely. He's all, how could it smell that good and not taste lovely? <laughs> and my sister's all, they eat it then. He's all, all right, then fuck it all. And he put it on and then he's all, Oh, no, fuck <laughs> it. Just, just fucking chemicals. <laughs> did he just literally squeeze it on this? No, way? it was like, you know, when people like squeeze honey under their tongue, he just did that with it. Like, right, not even his tongue. Smeared on a cracker. Could have improved it a wee uh, bit. He just slipped it in a dip. Everybody around for Andy and then he slipped shampoo in a wee bowl just to see if anybody had noticed. So that's a peach chutney there. Uh, what's a peach, peach chutney? Ah, uh, you know. You can wash your hair with it as well, man. <laughs> it's your uh, catch-all, multi-purpose, multi-surface, multi-everything thing. Uh, it's like a, from Willy Wonka's factory or something. Yeah. Oh, what are they? What do you call those? Is Lush Cosmetics? Do you still got those Lush Cosmetics shops? Yeah. There's. Where you, you're like four uh, blocks away from them, and you can smell them, and you, you don't need to actually uh, ask people I, where they are. <laughs> you, you can smell yeah, them. You, get, from you smell before away. you see it. I don't think you get them anymore. There used to there's, be one of them. There's one in Belfast. I yeah. Think. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Maybe I've become inured to the smell. Oh, yeah. Gel, gel really likes them there. But for some reason, I think I've like, become allergic to them or something. Like, mm. When you're actually in the shop, there's a re- just really big, strong smell. And just the last t- last couple of times she was on there, I was like, Jill, I have to leave yeah, the shop. It's like, like just, yeah. the, the smells are overwhelming. <laughs> it's too much. I wish I have a, don't have a nose. A nausmia should have a nausmia. A nausmia, yeah. So what have we watched this week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched uh, the van. The van. The van. Oh, that that was part of your cheap purchase thing, wasn't it? Yep, it was. Uh, I spoke very fondly of it. I haven't not seen it. <laughs> uh, I, I take it you can see where this is going. Uh, and it was like uh, stuck it on. I was like, it's going to be kind of you know. The fucking guard sort of sense of humor and you know you know this kind of sense of humor but um uh, it wasn't at all hey I, th- I thought it was very fucking weak hey i mean it was very surprised it's directed by stephen for years who directed you know high fidelity the queen mm. and what did he do recently there was did, did he do billy elliott as well no maybe that's stephen that's stephen daudry the stevens i always get them mixed up <laughs> stephen daudry stephen Fears, i always I do so, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> Uh, was it, he did Philomena as well, was it? He did Philomena as well, yeah. yeah. And he did, or no, 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 did he? 
I'm not sure. Was that Wonder Bottom? No. No, it wasn't Wonder Bottom. No. Stephen uh, Frears. Stephen Frears, yeah. You got a nomination for the Grifters and stuff, I guess, here, which I thought was weak as well. But uh, You just hate Stephen Frears? <laughs> no, I, I like him because I actually like the way he talks about his career. He's always, he always liked kind of industry directors who are just sort of journeymen who would direct, you know, what, what's coming down the pipe. I do this. You know, they're not like Tarantino's of a certain style or, the, you know, he just likes, you know, just, just, what would you say? I don't know. Just like a studio director? Just a studio director. Right, whatever gets handed to him, he's like, I fucking take a crack that. Like, like Richard Donner, did, we talked about that before. Yeah, with yeah, Donner's amazing at everything. Yeah, Stephen Affairs <laughs> hasn't. He, do, he <laughs> does have some variety of films, like The, the Van and High Fidelity, hmm. Mrs. Henderson Presents, um, Philomena. Yeah. Told you, Philomena. Mm. Mm. Um, you like you like high fidelity a lot, don't you? I, I, I love high fidelity. I love high fidelity. I didn't realize that was Stephen Furze though. Yeah, it's just sort of strange one for him. But I suppose he probably came out of it from the Nick Hornby side because it's an English novel. Yeah. But um, I, um, the van, I, it's not, it's it's based on a Roddy Doyle book as well, which I thought you know that's that's a great combination. It's Call Mini, a lot of time for Call Mini. I'm wondering, um, could you actually check her? Was that Call Mini's first big part? Wait, uh, wait, when was it out? The Nin- van was out in nineteen ninety six. Um, yeah. I know he was in Under the West and things like this here, and he was Into in Smart Parts. Was that was that his? I think wasn't it late nineties that he was in Star Trek? Star Trek, uh, the one on the space station. Star Trek, um, Deep Space Deep, Nine. Deep space yeah, Nine. Deep Space Nine. He's in a lot yeah. of fucking films. He's currently playing Martin McGuinness in uh, the Journey with Timothy Spall. Oh yeah, he's um, Paisley. Yeah, and he uh, as Paisley. Yeah, well, I think he's in Far and Away too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you. I think you're right. Actually, he was in War of the Buttons a couple of years before yeah, that. Yeah, And I think he uh, he was in mostly TV Into the West. He was in War of the Buttons was a really small thing. Though. Actually, he not. He was do, he was doing all right. He was in fucking Michael Mann's Last of the Mohicans as well. And on I no, I, I it was just probably his first sort of uh, you know where, where where he was on on the front of the yeah of the DVD box yeah um, standing outside his van. Yeah, on his chips and chip. Yeah, thought he did it. Yeah, <laughs> mm. but um, I so what? What's what's the van actually about? It's about it's about uh, a van, sort of the, the low economy of a of a, a town in, in Southern Ireland, and pretty much Minnie's character is a guy who's just been signing on for ages, and people think he's the lads joking, sort of say, "Oh, he's a man of leisure" and this kind of thing. But his wife and his family kind of go. I mean, it's it's not said in so many words, but you can tell that they're sort of disappointed with him that he hasn't got a job and this kind of stuff. And then his friend gets fired from a factory he's working at for years and you know like twenty years or something, and he gets his sort of severance pay or whatever. And then, um, so what they decide to do is start their own uh, fish and chip business um, amongst the nineteen ninety World Cup. I think it is mm-hmm. Italian ninety. Yeah. Yeah, it is that. and uh, and so this is sort of where where it goes. Um, to be very honest, I never say this, and I, I do I do hate saying it because I really like Mini and I really like uh, Stephen Frears and all this here. But I actually turned it off. It was oh. um, I think the acting was just very, very pulling facey kind of acting and like winks and elbows and this kind of shit and all. And I was just like, this is fucking. Why look? Is it supposed to be a, com- <laughs> a comedy or? It's a comedy, but like I mean, you've got your boy, what do you call him, Mrs. Brown's boys, 
You know that's his type of type of acting in a way. Brendan O'Carroll. Uh, he's in it. Oh, he's in it. He's in it, but he's plays like a, he's got. He he's probably the worst offender of it, like. And but that's sort of the, the type of comedy it is. As Mrs. Brown. No, no. <laughs> As himself, we have mullet and a mustache. Is Pat know. Short in it? Pat Short isn't though. Uh. I think it was pre-Pat Short days, wasn't it? Pre-Pat oh, yeah. Short. Pre-Pat Short's <laughs> dominance uh. days. It was pre uh, or around the time that he was in Father Ted around that time, yeah. Uh. But it, it comes from that sort of time where there were films like uh, you remember Wake and Ned, and there was a, yeah. well, there were a lot of uh, late nineties. There were a lot of Irish films that were very kind of character driven, and I think a lot of them were you know you were laughing almost at the characters and you were enjoying the characters. It wasn't that the films were hilariously funny and brilliantly scripted, even though you know Roddy, it was a Roddy Doyle book and it was mm. it was it was. You know, from that and the script and everything, but uh, I, I think I think quickly people went off those making those kind of Irish films. They had they had all been done, you know, those sort of character driven kind of Irish comedies. It was around the time when Bally Kiss Angel was on was on TV as well, and that was yeah. really popular. It, it was sort of BBC Sunday night type of whimsical, nice. Oh, look at this yeah. lovely Irish community kind of thing. And I think like even because Colin was watching it as well, and he was saying, I, <laughs> he was saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm ashamed of all my relatives. I was all wise, all because I remember watching all Emmons hanging themselves laughing. At the <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a pure. Uh, my dad would probably push himself laughing at some of the jokes on it. Uh. And like we, uh, there was one point we were about to turn it off, and then Colin, when when they find this sort of van that they're going to convert into the fish and chip van, Colin Meany walks in the back and he says, "This looks like the inside of a leper." And uh, we all started laughing at that. And we says, right, all right. <laughs> well, give it a wee minute. That was pretty, you know, whatever. It's picking up. And I just, I think it 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 lacks sophistication in, in terms of, of being filmic. On stage, it probably would have been fine. But it really lacks the sophistication and the subtlety that, that a film needs. And mm-hmm. I think because it probably comes from a time when it, when it was very hard to get a film made. And that was probably made by a smaller company and stuff. And... You know, Meany was probably easy to get. He wasn't, you know, the big price that he is now and this kind of stuff. And he was, you know, around. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> just showed up on set one day. Aye, and uh, I think I think its biggest feeling is that <clears throat> everything you expect to happen happens. Do you know what I mean? You can see nothing really surprises you about the film, and it's sort of weird because I, I've been meaning to watch it for years, but I had this sort of feeling of this sort of kitchen sinky feeling of you know the 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 small um what would you say the small battles being won and kind of that in itself is sort of the present oh we managed to sell loads of chips you know and you're like fuck you know what I mean? you know and film in ways i think it needs to be a wee bit bigger than that it, it needs to show you well if somebody from here can get the fucking here then well we can do anything you know I, I think a film does have to be turned up a wee bit mm. and then that in itself sort of uh, there is something just depressing about it it might as well be standards you know, do you know what I mean and it needed something to justify being on the being on the big screen yeah maybe that makes sense because if it did come from that whole uh, Irish the Balakis Angel Derville Kerwin and, and that kind of romantic Irish sense that there was at the time maybe it was just sort of, oh let's try and translate this tv hmm. thing onto onto film and, and maybe it didn't work i mean but but how does it not work 
I mean, does the the commit? You wouldn't say that about the commitments, no. and it's a similar. It, what do you, what is it about like something like the commitments? It's set in a similar type of place with similar type of characters, even some of the same actors that that makes it deserve to be on a on a big screen. Um. Well, what one thing I think is because Superman has a great soundtrack, and it deserves to be on the film. This has like an Eric Clapton fucking virgin on lethal weapon kind of soundtrack where you're like what the fuck is this it was even like even at times one of the main th- things i had when i first time seen the guard it was all this fucking mexican standoff music and i thought what the fuck is this really out of place mm. i get it now be- because there's a reason for it and he explained it but i mean i, I just think that all, it, it really isn't the summary of its parts the best shot in the film is the first shot and it's the credit shot and it's a lovely golden hour shot of the chip van driving um over like past the rushes on the beach and it's, it's a beautiful looking shot that the van's in silhouette but the rest of the film it just <sighs> I, I think it, it lacks a good direction of photography it lacks the, the soundtrack really it doesn't it, it's sort of um all right this is sad and kind of depressing maybe a wee bit of sort of piano music you know it, it's sort of it, it lacks a solid direction of we're trying to say this it either doesn't go far enough or or you know in one direction it doesn't go far enough in any direction really i think that's the main problem you know it doesn't go dark enough it doesn't go funny enough it doesn't go violent enough and you know what i mean it it just it just about lults along there and for that it it makes it a very unremarkable film it just kind of sounds like your main problem with it is that there doesn't seem to be any real care taken with it's kind of like oh just it's standard it, story it, just make it, get it done it actually reminded me we, we were talking about the shooting style a lot of it reminded me of the way with nell and i was shot i actually think the, the shooting style of with nell and i suits it and plus because the locations are the way they design those locations it just looks and feels like a fucking shithole in london and then adversely that is the cottage and stuff and the, the locations are amazing whereas we were talking about how do you sell that kitchen sink kind of council estate look and make it feel filmic. It's it's very difficult. I don't think they achieved it in that, but we were just talking about how could you do that or how would you do it? And the thing me and Sham were talking about his film is, you know, he was looking for a university office, right? There's realistic, but then there's film real. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, and I think that lacks the the the, the film real uh kind of feel you know it's just that that is what it looks like but i think that's that i mean if it's ken loach obviously that's a point or something like that there but i just uh, i just feel there was a missed opportunity with the film i think it could have been darker funnier and i think the performances for being so pantomimey you know and it's 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 inexperienced filmmakers i think uh to the detriment of the film you know there's that kind of oh well sure whatever kind of humor and it's just you know in a sort of a community play Everybody would know that that's like an inside joke in fucking Draperstown or something, <laughs> but you know, yeah. not here, not on, not on, not on a worldwide stage. I just think it doesn't work. Well, that sucks, man. <laughs> that sucks <laughs> for you, man. <laughs> How much did that sting you? A euro. A euro. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back. Fucking go back down to the bill. I want my money back. You fucking sold that shit, you mate. No. <laughs> Under the fucking, I promise. No. Not even a fucking extra rental. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Rental copy, I could have maybe, you know. But uh, no, I, and I don't like saying that because I, I was really looking forward to it. But, and I was just thinking about that era of Irish film. The new era of Irish film is, 
it started with things like intermission and Bruges, and even once yeah. they've really the pr- the problem with something like the van is that it it's a caricature of it. Whereas uh, it's kind of playing up the what aye. people think. Irish oh, this is a boozer. This is about this. Is, you know, this is that. You know, and it, and it's not. It's 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 kind of badly drawn, I think, in in, t- in some terms, but in things like once or intermission or in Bruges or even the yard, you know, they go. That's how they fucking talk. If this doesn't travel, we don't really care because this is what it's really like, and I think mm-hmm. it makes the film so much better, you know. But they they do that, but then also, as you were saying, like actually the way it's presented and how it all looks, like it's still filmic. And mm, you're, mm. you're presenting the the real way people go on and stuff. Yeah, but then it's presenting it in a film way as well. But yeah. with what you're saying about the van, they're presenting the people's characters and then the actual thing as the as what it really looks like. So yeah. it doesn't feel like it should be a film. Yeah, I mean, one thing I would compare it to is something like Once Upon a Time in the Midlands. You know, the Shane Meadows film. I never seen that. Um, it's. I remember uh, watching the making of Dead Man's Shoes and, and he said a phrase that I'll always remember like you know he says you have to win your audience every single time he said and once my time in the Woodlands he says the studio came back they didn't like the script and he says it's not really shootable and he says it's not ready and it doesn't have you know what it needs and he said he knew what they were right but he, he felt like he could keep it going and he felt like he could pull it off and while shooting material that he wasn't completely sold on he kept it going because he says he was employing a lot of his friends and his dad's friends and things like this here and he said that's the last time I'll ever do that because he says the result is that film and it's it's his weakest film I think mm-hmm. and then he says with Dead Man's Shoes he says I, I felt like I had to win back my audience and he says I felt like I'd ever since now I have to win my audience every time and I, th- I think it, it stands to reason that Freer's films have got better I think you know, a lot of people love the van for certain reasons and this kind of thing, but I don't. It's probably just very of its time as well, and just. I suppose it was that type of you know. This is how you act for now. See, sometimes, especially because Ireland's such a small film industry, you know. It's it's could be the kind of thing as well as if whenever any Irish film yeah. is it, made, then it has to catch people kind of need to. Aye. I think like I, it to get it out there. Aye. I think the Irish uh, film. Uh, Scene kind of needed to catch up. I needed to make more films to learn all oh, that's about stupid. That's about contrived. That's what I needed to catch up because there wasn't many films being made, and the you know, and uh, if if you understand what I mean, like the, the acting styles were of a slightly older time, and that's why even now it doesn't date well because it's not. It just doesn't feel modern the way they're performing mm. or portraying their characters. You know, mm. but if you look at the like, I mean, you a film like that, um made then in ireland th- films like that are uh, that are sort of local um in other countries and that just have are not particularly special are probably just you know yeah. d- dealing with everyday ordinary life in places like france and uh and, and and spain and and countries like that they're probably they probably make about three or four of those types of films a year yeah you know yeah. and th- that's part of their film industry <clears> and their <throat> film industry support it i know france has obviously got a much bigger population and everything but you know there's probably french films that are like the van that are about ordinary sort of french society hmm. that we'll never see that will never even leave france you know yeah, yeah. but uh but it, it's i suppose we only occasionally get to get to see and get to make those types of films those types of of, of, of smaller films yeah. and it's a pity because like you just when you mentioned shea meadows there 
Um, like he, in the in, in the past couple of years, he hasn't really been the last film. I think there was there was a, a cinema release film that he made was. Um, yeah, yeah, which was a documentary, and he's sort of concentrated on making things like This Is England, um, 88, yeah, 86, 88, 90. And maybe that reflects something in British kind of yeah. filmmaking as well. Like I think I remember in the late nineties, early two thousands, there were a lot of British films that were ke- that were more Ken Lucci, Mike Mike Lee kind of style mm. of the, those smaller parts of people's lives and real emotions and 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 the style that they have. But I mean, look at Shea Meadows is, is now doing TV mostly. Mm. But I mean, I don't know what that reflects. But it, it, it's maybe just the film people saying, you know. This is where this is where these things belong, yeah. and maybe it's a reflection as well of the whole sort of internet and download culture, where you know people people would rather have those kind of films, you know, uh, downloading them, watching them on, on TV, and yeah. there, there isn't really that kind of. Um, you know, going out to the cinema to watch those those types of films anymore. That's yeah. which is which is kind of kind of unfortunate because I I always liked going to see like films like. Todd Solon's type films, American Independent stuff, that that wasn't necessarily um, big filmic kind of stories. That was more smaller independent um, things that 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 seeing those things on a fil- on a film screen, seeing them writ large, you know, not on a TV screen in your house, it sort of gave them more importance and and gave them more credence or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at the moment, it doesn't seem. It seems like cinema's gone through a very sort of big uh phase of big stories and big budgets and that kind of thing which which i suppose is a reflection of of the economy as well and 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 the whole download culture too yeah yeah okay <laughs> uh you you done with that yeah yeah okay thanks one uh, well, it's good. <laughs> give, give me a wee tap in the head when you're in it. Um, <laughs> oh, I will. This week I watched Sausage Party. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, hello. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, Sausage Party just came out. It is an animated rated R film in America. It's a 15 here. Right. I thought it didn't go to the Stronger 18. Stronger skinned no, no, in the UK. No, no, no titties in it. No. No, no damn titties. Plenty of babs, though. Loads of babs. <laughs> if, 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 if you want, there's loads of, like, food titties, if you like, but not, <laughs> not a lot of actual titties. There's a close-up of a vagina at one stage, but that's about it. <laughs> didn't stretch to the 18. Anyway. <laughs> Slight ball bag as well, actually. Um... Yeah, Sausage Party just came out. It's uh, it's an animated comedy. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg wrote it. Well, they they basically did the story, and then it was it was wrote by two other guys, and and it was directed by not Seth Rogen. It was Isn't that was your name? Not Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I'm actually meant to look this up and and I forgot to. But it was it's two animation directors. So they actually went out and got proper animation director i think one of the one of the guys worked like directed trek 2 or worked mm, on trek mm. 2 so they i can't it's a really weird film the premise of it is all this food they live in is in a supermarket and then they have this whole idea that the gods oh who's directed 
Greg Tiernan and Conrad Vernon. Conrad Vernon, what a name. Are you going to call your your firstborn Conrad Vernon? Conrad Vernon Fresen. C C V B as well call him. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So so the food have this whole belief that like they, they call humans gods and they want to be chosen by the gods to be taken to the great beyond, which is just outside the supermarket basically. Yeah. So it's a kind of whole like religious thing and they sing a song every morning to get them pumped up for the, the gods coming in and stuff. But then they they Seth Rogen and his sausage buddies. He Seth Rogen plays a hot dog, and the, like Michael Sarah's in there, and Jonah Hill's in there, and then Kristen Wiig plays a hot dog bun. Right. So Seth Rogen wants to get all up, up in that hot dog bun. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but they're, because they're in packages, so they can't get to each other. So, so they get chosen by the gods, and and they quickly find out when they get home that the gods eat them. And so they're terrified, and the great beyond's a lie, and it's all just they go mental. Uh-huh. And so they, it's just them kind of trying to deal with that and coming up with a plan to fuck up humans, basically. <laughs> and I, why is it called Sausage Party? It's called Sausage Party because Seth Rogen's the main character, and he's a sausage. Right. And it's just funny because and it's, it's his a party. And it's just it's just a stupid joke. <laughs> and the, the, the scenes where they where the, where they get where they obviously get to the person's house and they're being eaten are they quite graphic and disturbing? Yeah, really, because <laughs> really? really? it's actually it's actually an interesting way the way they did the the aesthetic of it because the actual animation, but like <clears throat> when I seen the trailer and stuff for it, it's 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 really bad aesthetically. But you can't once you get on it, you. You kind of get past that pretty quickly. It's just it's a super low budget animation. Like Pixar phones would cost about a hundred billion. This costs twenty million. Right. So it's just it's super low animations. But well, the actual animations, grand, but just the the look of it and all, it's really just it looks like something like that I did at uni when I did animation. You know what I mean? Like right. it's it's not too well modeled. I suppose would be the correct term. Okay. But anyway, doesn't matter. You you get past it pretty quickly, but. The, the way they kind of work with the colors and all it when you're in f- the food world of it that mm-hmm. the food's talking and all it's really bright and sparkly and all here but then when it's in the humans world then it's just really dark and drab and it's kind of you're seeing the truth of it mm. and then in in the house when it, it all goes down when she starts <laughs> he, she starts peeling a potato and he's like, oh jesus me skin <laughs> <laughs> If you if you Is seen the Irish, I, <laughs> no. what? Oh yeah, the potatoes. Oh, Irish. for God's sake! Oh no, this this is a this is a big thing with the film that all all the different foods are just stereotypes of different things. Like like the sauerkrauts are Nazis and stuff, and the bagels are Jewish and stuff like that. But the bagels are Jewish. The bagels are Jewish because bagels are Jewish. <laughs> It's bagel. I don't know. Obviously, bagels are Jewish. Yeah, bagels are Jewish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a right. Ed Ed Norton voices the bagel, but he's doing a Woody Allen impression. So it's actually really funny. <laughs> but yeah, so do, doing all the different kinds of stereotypes and all, it's it's obviously very offensive. Right. But they they use that in such a way that they know they're being offensive, but they're at the end of it then nobody's they, left untouched really or? well that's like every everybody gets a touch eye and in more ways than one but also they make a point of it at the end that it's actually it's actually kind of pointing you towards something 
I don't want to give away then because there's just there's a big whole set piece at the very end, like the last ten minutes or whatever, and it's just mental. <laughs> it's, it's, uh. it's it's a big surprise, and and we were talking about like spoiling stuff before. Like, I think if you go in without knowing that error, then that's the best way to go on. Because nice the the trailer for this gave away one of the biggest gags, which was the potato being peeled and they actually finding out, and I think they kind of did have to do that just to show people what the film was going to be about be about kind of yeah. so i get that but it's just a shame because that's one of the biggest laughs in the film yeah and there's like two or three like really big laughs like big kind of set pieces or whatever that that's it's kind of obviously what they were going for but it's the in between bits then that there's just not a lot of jokes and it's not very funny hmm. it's if you if you find food swearing and smoking pot funny then you'll think it's hilariously like. i probably will <laughs> but like it, it is funny and i do like the fact that they're constantly swearing because it's just to me it feels more realistic of how people talk like if you hear us on here like we're constantly swearing all the fucking time like uh, but all the fucking time all the fucking time <laughs> every goddamn day <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting actually i don't like i've ever gone a day without swearing since i was like 10 uh, probably suppose you don't really think about that kind of thing. No? Anyway. People tell me I swear a lot, but I just don't realize I do it. Ah, uh, you just kind of throw an odd fucking in there. Or yeah. If you hear other people swear and other people like around your, your age or like um, and where I work, uh, <clears throat> there's a big sort of central stairwell where people are coming up and down all the time. And me and my work colleague were kind of, uh, we, we, we would just talk, talk away and say, oh, fucking this and fucking that. And what, what are you, what the hell? And I heard somebody else doing it as I was waiting to get into the lift as they were coming down the stairs, two other guys. And I was disgusted. disgusted. <laughs> I just thought, what the fuck? They sound like the worst, uh, uncouth, terrible people. And I just thought, well, that's obviously what me and my work colleagues sound like when we're coming down the stairs to leave the building to go, go on our lunch. So I, 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 every time now when we're, when we're doing that, I sort of... I, I, because this building, uh, can, a lot of people come in and out visiting and right. having meetings and going to classes and this kind of thing. So they probably, they probably hear us. And so you often just don't realise, you know, how rotten he's <laughs> a complete fucking he's, he's there probably like a know? thing like when they're when somebody's bringing like strangers in just like there's these two boys the yeah top. just you, just don't tuck them on just yeah. you know <laughs> they just uh, swear just try and not listen to him and but, a lot of the time actually we would uh, if you're if you're kind of if you're kind of having a bad day there was an electrician in the other day and my and uh he said to us oh do you know how to get in um to this door here and my work colleague said, Aye, have you got a hatchet? <laughs> it's just, you know, it was just, it's the electrician, you know, being quite serious. And, uh, and then, yeah, Danny was like, Yeah, get a hatchet and just, just open the door. It's that, it's that weird thing of, have you ever done it? Like, you think the thing that you're going to say is going to be really funny, and then it's just taken serious, and you're like, Oh, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, so that we're, happens we're, to me you, all the time. Was, <laughs> I have a jury humor, like, and then sometimes where I'm like, <laughs> and you're all not seriously. Yeah. I'm like, all right, fuck right. Because I, I, I think your humor is really funny, where it's just, it's just you know, straight to the point. And it's, it is funny that you don't know sometimes whether you're joking or not. But obviously, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the was, other side too. Obviously, if it, if it was 9 11, 15 years ago, and I was going, ah, the, the planes have. Planes have just crashed into the building above. 
Ja, right eye, all right eye. Get on your, <laughs> get on your work. <laughs> but you remember, I could take another... Was it last Was it last week I was talking about the Hogwarts badge? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, fucking hell. Like I was, was, we were talking, I was talking to this girl at my sister's birthday, and uh, she uh, she said she was a big Entourage fan, so when she was leaving, I, I turned around her and I said, all right, hug it out, bitch. Because that's what Ari Gold says, they, mm. like, his clients, yeah, and she was all, what? <laughs> <laughs> she called me a bitch? <laughs> I was all, aye, but that's like the fucking <laughs> backpedaling and all that, I was all, oh, fucking hell. And then I taught her husband then the next day and he's all oh, nah it's just uh, it's fuck out she's probably blocked and then I was like alright yeah. <laughs> he I think he smoothed it out because it was one of my sister's good friends and I was mm. like oh Jesus that's what, what an impression <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell me one of my sister's friends who just met I hug it out bitch yeah okay. but that's not offensive I said this that's not offensive if you, you can you can tell that's a term of endearment. It was, it was your sister's birthday party, though. You know, you probably should have realized that there may be some people there that might not get, Aye. not might not be used but, to. But how can, but how can you? But how can you, but how can you say that like in a nice way, like or uh, like in a mean way, like hug it out, bitch? Like how is Aye. that ever interpreted as meanly? Unless she just heard you say bitch. She's like, all right, bitch. I'm just going for a hug and says, bitch. <laughs> uh, There's a classic uh, Kirby enthusiasm scene where Laurie David is, is, has been invited with his wife to, to play a poker game with these people who regularly play poker. I don't know you're and, right uh, <laughs> and he's, uh, you've seen it obviously. And and, and um, he, he, uh, he, uses the, he uses the term cunt. Um, in, in a totally jokey way, in a, with a smile on his face, and the reaction that it has is like, oh, yeah, somebody has, has just like fairly gone in here, you know, at a children's party, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a brilliant, it's the the perfect illustration of using language that is inappropriate, you know, when you think it would be totally appropriate to say that word, and it's just not. Aye, because he's like, oh, you cunt, you should have played that head, you yeah. cunt. Like, he says it about four or five times. But then he's he's talking to his wife about it, and the best line is like, in retrospect, I probably should have said this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when he's going, you cunt, you cunt, he's, he's just riding out the wave yeah. of, of, the, of the thing, whilst you can see all these people's faces just fall into the floor around him, you know. And she's like, you said that word in front of women, in front of, oh my God, Larry, oh my God. And uh, the, your, the guy who is actually offended, most offended is this HBO executive when he finds out the next day. <laughs> yeah, he, he's all, all the women at HBO. They think you're a complete misogynist now, and um, they, they 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 don't want to work with you. And your show is canceled. And uh, he, he, Michael Harbaugh, he's he's like reevaluating his whole life and what he wants to do with his life <laughs> just because Larry calls him a cunt. <laughs> so what effect, if any? You know, this poor friend of your sister, calm. You know, Jesus, yeah. maybe your whole life. No, is she broke well, up by her husband? Yeah, she was from Derry too. Yeah, I was very surprised. Hi, yeah. yeah, there are some middle class <laughs> educated people in Derry. I mean, would have, <laughs> who would have known? I know, you know, yeah. who don't say content bitch all the time. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole reason I came here was that people didn't say said stuff like that in normal conversation. <laughs> Selma Hayek plays a taco as well. Oh, right, in Sausage yeah. Party. Okay. It was, I felt I felt very strange after this film. I was I was sexually attracted to food after this film. 
because Chris Wig plays a very attractive hot dog bun. And Selma Hayek plays a very attractive taco. The, I, I'm just looking at a picture of the trailer <laughs> here, and the hot dog buns don't look like hot dog buns. No, because oh, they, they look like blow up dolls. They, actually, because they, they, they gave like. them tits. They yeah. there's there's bun tits, and an ass as we groove for an ass. <laughs> wow, that's uh, yeah. And the yeah. potato, the potato has lots of eyes, actual eyes all over it. Is this like the worms or something? Or? Their eyes. Yeah, that's the Irish Potatoes potato. Eyes. Wow. I hope it's an, it's not. Who's playing the potato? Um, uh, I don't know actually. It's probably Seth Rogen doing his best. <laughs> his, his best worst Irish accent. Probably. And the the tomato is Italian. The apple is um a bag of dog food. No, sorry, that's a, a <laughs> apple's a bag of dog food. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it doesn't actually give the. Hey, what what um, what ethnicity could you give to an apple? <laughs> Where are apples from? Yeah, well, well, I mean, on, on the, on the, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> on the grand scale of things. I, I don't know if, whether this makes me want to go and see it or not, actually. I would, I would say it's worth a watch purely just for the last 10 minutes that they do sound very strange and very out there. And I, I really enjoyed it, but I could see people not enjoying it. But if, if you go on knowing that it's kind of this stereotypical offensive comedy and it's all just sex and dick mm-hmm. jokes and stuff. You can't even know that going in. Like if you think this is going to be a smart, sophisticated film, then it doesn't. They if, have... you, if you think it's going to be a kid's animated film, it really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> the potato is actually played by Greg Tiernan, the director of the film, who is Irish. Oh, there so, you go. So there you go. That's, 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 that's grand. Yeah, it's grand. Yeah, it's grand. Yeah, it's grand. Perfect, yeah. Hey, like, the sour was played by an actual Nazi as well. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. The sour was played by Hitler himself. Yeah. <laughs> But um, everyone except Paul Rudd, who is Darren, um, so he probably doesn't have who the fuck's Darren. Darren, um, oh, I do. he was born in Passaic, New Jersey, so I don't know. <laughs> um, um, anyway, what was I talking about? Yeah, so it's. I think the biggest problem I have with the film is that they obviously had these big laughs planned, and then they just they they didn't really give any thought to any other laughs in between, and so. Ultimately, I probably didn't really enjoy the film all much. I think it has it has it has some big laugh out loud moments, but it can't sustain it for an hour and a half, basically. Yeah. But uh, I'm just I'm impressed with what they did and and actually making like an animation like this, and that the fact that they treated it like a proper animation, like they they got proper animation directors, and they're not just doing it just. To be oh that would be funny like uh like an animation where people are swearing and stuff like take like for the last ten minutes what I've been going on about they do something that kind of I'm trying to say they do something that it kind of it it kind of gives oh, fuck I had this all worked out mm-hmm. it was, was going to be amazing do you know words <laughs> what do, do you know words. Not so much. No. No. <laughs> no, they 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 do something that kind of just proves that the film should exist because they. I'm a feeling I know where where it's 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 a sort of a, probably some sort of god complex, uh, translated to human metaphor like allegorically or whatever. No. 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 It's a, sure? it's a lot 
lower class than that. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving this fellow way too much it's credit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought it was some sort of. It's it's in it maybe it's a kind of a tester film the the way you say it, it's 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 the animation is not that sort of Pixar well, they, quality they they didn't want to sink a lot of money and it's yeah basically but the, if this is a success I'd say the next sort of adult fifteen R rated um, animation uh, will I, probably I, be you know maybe a seventy hundred million budget yeah. so they were like yeah we'll give you twenty million for this stereotypical thing <laughs> about food and uh and uh lots of very offensive but you know you know if it doesn't work there's going to be no more um, yeah i just I, just as a tester it's mm. good but it would be sausages. interesting though if there were more animations that were more adult you know because uh, uh, can you think of anything else that, that has well been... the, the the last the last r-rated animation to be released in cinemas was the south park movie yeah so that's how ever long was killing joke not released in the cinema it they did like a special like one day release thing like it wasn't like a proper theatrical release Mm. and sort of south park big long run cut doesn't really count either because everybody knew what they were what to get what they were expecting but i mean and it's not like this 3d animation thing mm. that's has been happening yeah i think i think if this is a success i mean i mean you went to see it on the strength of the of the actors and the comedy probably and you yeah. like them but i mean uh and people who went to see south park would go to see it on the strength of this at south park but i mean how do you get people into a sort of unknown story non-franchise type adult animation you know, um, it'll be interesting to see in the next few years if that actually continues well, and they do make more. Seth Rogen did say that he, he does have more ideas for R-rated animations. Like, mm-hmm. he already has an idea as a sequel to this. Sausage Party 2, even right. Sausage, or... I don't know. <laughs> but he said he, he wants to try and make more because he does, he does like, it's a, like a kind of gap in the market or whatever, and, like, adults can enjoy adults animations because like there's there's loads of like tv cartoons and stuff that adults really like are kind of made for adults like mm. even stuff like adventure time which is a kid's cartoon but loads of adults like it and mm. even if you want to go with something like my little pony you know that has a big fucking following of bronies as they're called and so i think it's it definitely is a kind of untapped market and i'd say you would get a few more at, at least from seth rogan but probably other people get on board after that yeah. I'm just imagining the horror of bronies going to the cinema and brony culture being permeated in society in the same way as Harry Potter does. <laughs> and how disturbing and awful that would be. Because as, as somebody who's never seen a Harry Potter film and uh, and, and has been surrounded by Harry, Harry Potter <laughs> for the past 10 to 15 years and knows all the characters but has never seen the film and doesn't want to see the films... Um, you uh, please never let that happen with Bronies, My Little Pony. Did you ever just... see the film Bronies, the documentary? No, I've never seen that. No, it's actually no. quite interesting. Yeah, and I'm a fan of accessories, uh, but not uh, and uh, lots of wee trinkety things and wee hairbrushes and dolls' houses and things like that. But but not not associated with My Little Pony. Exclusively, I, 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 I grew up being told that things like that were gimmicks and when were were um, evil. And, uh, and we're just designed to sell, uh, to take money off parents. <laughs> well, it, every, everything is really, isn't it? Everything's designed to sell. Well, like, do you think, are we going to be able to buy Irish racist potatoes now? That definitely. Talk, you think? Yeah, Fucking with eyes definitely. Them and, and sausages and uh, Just Jewish get a potato. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We've well, already like, done it, Mr. <laughs> potato. <laughs> this is what they'll, they'll just have 
furthers buy all this food and put sausage party on it and have uh, yeah. stories inside <laughs> and uh it'd be all, yeah. all a special feature you can actually eat these yeah, exactly. <laughs> relive the movie mm. <laughs> but uh what i was trying to say earlier that i couldn't think of is the the last 10 minutes of the big kind of set piece or whatever it just it it gives merit the why this film exists because it's it had to be done in animation and it had to be R-rated. So it's not like they're just doing this just to make an animation film just with a few swears in it or something. They specifically had this idea for an ending and it had to be done that way. You couldn't have done it live action hmm. and you couldn't have done it not R-rated. So I just... I'm, I'm, it, I'm impressed by what they try to do and what they're trying to do with the kind of adult animations, but... Ultimately, I don't think this is the film to kind of really get everybody involved in it because it's not a very good film when mm. it comes down to it. In saying that, I'd probably watch it again because there's there's big moments in it, but it doesn't sustain for the whole hour, twenty three minutes or whatever it is. There you go. And my mic is keep on getting lower, so I'm having the hunch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's tightened yeah. yeah but yeah Rory what did you watch this week uh, what did I watch this week I, I actually watched last night uh, Frenzy by Alfred Hitchcock film which uh, have you seen who's that then it's uh, who's, that, who's, who's, who's that Frenzy then? or who's, who's Alfred <laughs> Hitchcock uh, it's a it was um, I've seen it I've seen it uh, a few times before and it's just one of those films that's on on BBC2 uh, late at night by Alfred Hitchcock and uh, start watching it and you're like yeah I can I can stay with I can stay with this um, yes I'll do yeah I think it's probably my favourite Hitchcock film um, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what I like about it it's it's um, it's it's about a man who is framed wrongly uh, Richard Blaney is played by John Finch it's, it's uh, from 1972 and um, he is there's the, the, it's in London 1972 and there are all these murders taking place um, by the necktie murderer so women are being found in the Thames the opening scene is actually the scene with Hitchcock in it and it, it starts with um, a tourists being shown uh, London by the bridge and being shown Westminster and uh, Hitchcock's actually in the crowd of all these people getting, yeah. doing this tour it's right by the Thames right by Westminster Bridge and uh, a woman's naked body floats down the river, and uh, she's she's been strangled with a necktie. She's completely naked, and she's be, she's got this necktie around her neck and her tongue hanging out. And um, and there's all this very uh, there's very very oh my god, it's another oh, there's a body. What look in the river? There's a body. Oh, oh my god, it's got a necktie on. Oh, that'll be the necktie murderer. And so, oh, <laughs> and so it's another one. God, he's a sick bastard, isn't he? He's a real fucking sick bastard. So, uh, no fucking probably, because probably, it's a Hitchcock probably, movie. Probably a good time to kill someone and just whack a necktie on them. You yeah, I for like, fuck it. I don't like this point. It's um, <laughs> do him. The interesting thing about it he's is. Already wearing a fucking tie. <laughs> he's wearing a tie. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, the last, himself. the last, <laughs> the last line in the film. Uh, you should watch it because because that that relates to it. The whole the whole necktie thing. Um, it's 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 a funny film, but it's not funny because it's obviously about women being raped and murdered. Um, 
and uh, it, but it, it's it's so it's such a it's a strange psychotic. I need to explain kind of that film. last sentence. <laughs> Do I need to explain that? It's a film, funny film, but it's not funny because it's about women being raped and murdered. There are some comic <laughs> scenes. The detective who is investigating the entire uh, sorry, I just thought operation. of really <laughs> No, it's just because um, when you said there's some comic scenes, I just want to correct you, Bill. No, I think it's Comic Sans. <laughs> comic Sans, right? No, there's no Comic Sans. I would not be watching a film that had Comic Sans in it, even if it was my favourite director and favourite <sighs> actors. If there was Comic Sans in the opening titles, turn I would turn off. off the film I don't and know. delete the download. I don't know why I the DVD. me so much. Yeah, <laughs> no comic sans, please. Um, no, so the, the 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 these murders are being investigated, and they keep going back to this scene with the chief inspector in Scotland Yard, who is at home with his wife, and he um, is being um, his wife keeps cooking these very cordon bleu French meals for him, and he doesn't want them. And uh, he's explaining. What's Cardon Bleu? It's a uh, blue ribbon French cookery, like a uh, Nouvelle Cuisine. What's like, Nouvelle Cuisine? <laughs> like, uh, like very posh, expensive, um, tiny, artful tiny food. Portions. Yeah, tiny portions on the plate. And he's What's he's, a plate? he's 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 proper works. He's um he the actually the first scene he is seen at his desk. Um, eating a uh, full English breakfast in the, at lunchtime, and he's saying to his colleague, um, uh, "You should have three meals a day, and they should all be breakfast." Tell that to my wife because she insists on cooking all this cordon bleu cookery, and it's a nightmare. Um, so you go to the scene of him in his house, and he, she is cooking him the food and bringing it in from the kitchen. She's saying stuff like, uh, "You will love this, darling. It's uh, this amazing quail's eggs with grapes, and there's all these really weird combination. All he wants is fish and chips, and steak, and onions, and uh, spuds, and uh, she keeps giving him all this stuff. But these scenes are these comic scenes in all this misery and um, murder." And uh, but they serve to um, uh, explain the plot as well. You know, the, the Hitchcock always has these very plot explaining scenes. But this is the device that's mm. that's used throughout. Are these meals where the detective doesn't want the meals, and his wife is in the kitchen, and he's explaining the entire sort of story to her. Um, but um, John Finch plays Richard Blaney, and he is um, a, he was. Uh, early 70s he was a real real handsome um leading man uh type of actor i don't think he sort of came into his own really and, and something happened he didn't really continue in that vein uh, there's a lot of sort of british um actors you would know you would bernard cribbins plays the pub landlord anna massey um billy whitelaw is in it as well so a lot of sort of um 70s people who, yeah. who, 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 who I like big. Bernard Cribbins Bernard Cribbins yeah in a in a in a very kind of he's he's the pub landlord and um he's 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 it, it's it's a very it, given that it's about men sexual murder of um of women by men uh it, it there's a lot of very sort of uh sexist and uh, misogynistic language in it that's used by the main characters not necessarily the baddies in it like mm. bernard cribbins as the pub landlord and the other other men it's it's set in covent garden in london um in, in a pub and around the sort of fruit markets in that area 
and uh, the the language you sort of there, there's actually an awful there's a scene at the start um, where uh, the, the Bernard Cribbins is behind the bar and there's there's a, there's a doctor and a lawyer uh, in his and bar a, a at lunchtime <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're discussing this this necktie murderer and what he's doing and they say something along along the lines of yes he, um, so he apparently he rapes them uh, and then he murders them. And the the doctor goes, oh well, some silver lining then, you know, <laughs> referring to the rape. And I was looking at, at IMDb and some of the comments, uh, but people watching this, and there's a, a, a feminist sort of leaning commenter on IMDb saying, I can't believe this 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 awful, terrible misogyny in this film, and there's just like d- d- being thrown out by these characters who are normal characters. They're not being represented and he's just i think hitchcock is is setting this in you know he's showing this obviously this this murderer and um you know who the murderer is it's not a mystery or anything but uh, he's 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 showing it in terms of all this misogyny Mm. that's that's all around all the time um the the one of the one of the victims um uh, I i don't want to give away any spoilers but it's 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 it, it, well. This is going to be a spoiler. I'm sorry. Um, but, but before you go into this, what you were saying about what the the doctor said, like yeah. well, at least there's something silver lining. Do you not think he meant at least he's not murdering them then raping them? <laughs> <laughs> that oh yeah. Given that it's a doctor saying that, yeah, um, that probably is <laughs> the case. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because that's worse. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And then he could take the body round to the hospital and say, oh, I've just got this body here. You know, I've just murdered this woman. But, you know, I'd be ashamed to waste it for medical science. You know, I could give it to you for medical science and you could see her insides and stuff. It'd be great. You know, it'd be be lovely. Uh, That's that's literally the... um, I yeah, that's the, but that but that is the that that is the whole thing. It's, it takes place among this whole misogyny, and it's for nineteen seventy two. It's a very graphic. Um, mm. The murder scenes uh, and the, and are are they're all from the point of view of the perpetrator, and uh, they're highly disturbing. And uh, it's it's so much about power. And sexual maturity of men and women trying to women the women are are, are I mean I'd love to sort of see a feminist um, 
kind of takedown of of frenzy mm. and a lot of Hitchcock movies. I know feminists have a lot of lot to say about about Hitchcock's films. Um, you, you but you you could you could take it so many ways. It's it's a, it's a very disturbing film in that. The, the in the, there's there's no um there's no holds barred in the depiction of the of the real just the just the horror of it yeah and and the, the frenzy is a very appropriate title because the guy the, the guy just goes round and and he rapes and he murders these women in a frenzy and he and he and he eventually you know he just keeps keeps doing it and it's his i think there's an explanation from in the, in the Hitchcockian sort of style of having explanations in there um, about why people do things like the end of end of Psycho where the psychologist or the detective explains the whole thing about the mother and um, this sort of the, you see that sort of m- all, more all the way through the film and different people offering their explanations and um, it, 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 it's it wouldn't really it would really make, make you think about 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 men and their conversations and and women what women think of men um it's it's a very it's a very disturbing film but it but it's so the, the other thing is it's so bright and it's so colorful and um it's it's actually famous probably for a scene where um the 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 murderer uh, has a flat in the middle of Covent Garden and uh, it's up some stairs and he and th- there's a scene where um, he takes his victim um, up the stairs, and the camera follows them up the stairs, and then it stops um, just uh, just as they go in to the to the room. And as soon as they go into the room and close the door, the camera starts co- coming back down the stairs. It's a very famous sort of tracking shot, and it goes out because you know what's going to happen. You've already mm-hmm. seen him murder and rape these women, or. And so you know what's going to happen and, and it's so, so it's a really busy street and you see all these people walking past so the camera just comes right down the stairs goes right out of the corridor and out the door and into the street and you see the, the whole building and the, the room obviously where you know what has taken place up there mm. and the people all just walking past and uh, there's there's another scene like that in the film as well where, where the where Hitchcock just shows you very silently and for a long time the outside of a building where something that you know is disturbing is taking place inside yeah um, but you, you can see that scene on YouTube the uh, frenzy camera tracking scene um, it's a, it's a very uh, I would recommend watching the film obviously rather than just watching that scene <laughs> I did just out watch of context on fucking YouTube. and it's actually in it's actually in the wrong aspect ratio on YouTube so don't don't watch it on YouTube but but frenzy is um it's a uh, frenzy is a very it's a very good very good film and uh it's it's one of those films that that uh, I probably probably shouldn't like uh, because of its because of its content. Um, but you know people people like Psycho and and uh, and I have a sort of affinity with it. But there, there's there's there, there isn't anything like like Hitchcock films. There's there's nothing like them. They're they're extraordinary and and it, it is my it is my favorite Hitchcock film. Um, it, I don't I don't know why. It's just is it because it it does go there and like it does make you feel uncomfortable and it is yeah so brutal that yeah and it shows you it probably and it's just there's no messing about he just he puts the camera there and into these people's faces it's actually i mean you don't see like b- wide shots of a rape taking place yeah. you see 
the, his face and that's almost more disturbing yeah. you see right into his eyes as he's raping these women and as he's tightening a, a tie around their neck and you see uh, you see it ver- there's no uh, there's no uh, interest in lighting it's just like there's a there's a full-on camera in mm. in the guy's in the guy's face as he's doing what he's doing which is and and you, and the, it's so appropriate that it's called frenzy because of that just because the the, the the way it happens and it's it's it looks like it's you're going jesus i'm watching this and this should be more disturbing than it is and maybe and it but, but it's because of the undramatic nature of the camera just sitting there that you that 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 you're you're thinking well, it just stop making it look so ordinary make it look more disturbing or something and and that actually makes it more disturbing because it looks so ordinary mm. so um yeah it's uh it's very much a saturday night bbc2 type film and uh don't schedule it <laughs> don't watch it um <laughs> uh any other time you know because you'll need time to recover <laughs> You need that Sunday buffer before you, yeah, exactly, before you go back yeah. to work. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I think it was. There's another film uh, around that time called Repulsion. Um, uh, have you seen Repulsion? Plansky in it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, it's. I mean, it's it's. Frenzy is a much better, much much more audience friendly film than Repulsion. Repulsion is like, um, just very very difficult watch as well. Um, but a woman just sort of becoming disturbed. Yeah. Um, but but, um, yeah. It's one of the hands out of the walls and stuff. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and she's just on this flat on her own in London, and she she's it's black and white, and she just becomes more and more disturbed at, at what she's um, at, at, at in her own head just hmm. through being alone. I think. Um, but yeah, there. Well, anyway, sausage party was good, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You seem to like fucked up films, right? I, I love <laughs> fucked up films. I love Todd Solon's films. I love uh, films that are um, that that I I think that's what film and uh, is for uh, to show you things that that you might not necessarily have in your everyday life. You know, yeah. I, I, I I won't I, I I I I think I got into frenzy when I was just into Hitchcock and 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 and. Um, and I, I, there's just, there's just nothing like his, his, his stuff. You know, it's, mm. it's just very intriguing. Okay, we shall go on to topics. <laughs> the topic is silence and bits of films that are silent. Is it? No. Uh, um, we're talking about the entire genre of silent films. The entire genre of silence. Yeah. But. Is that a genre? I don't think so. Silent films? A lot of people don't know, though, that... Do silent films. You know, not a, there's, there's silent crime films, there's silent rom-coms, there's silent... That's not a genre. All right, an era. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's talk about films where people read decades about language. <laughs> How about that? It's my favourite genre. Nah. We would like that. <laughs> is, is that a genre or a sub-genre, Heron? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. This week... Um, a fan of the show, Robert Elliott, tweeted at us, and he he linked in a thing from GQ magazine that says Al Pacino's heat character was a coke fiend, and other amphetamines. Infet- 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 no, but I don't think that's the word. 
You sure? Rory, what's that word that after other? It's definitely not. Oh, epiphanies? Epiphanies. It probably means amphetamines. No, it, no, it, it says and other epiphanies from its 20th century anniversary. Oh, right, okay. Okay. <laughs> and other amphetamines from its 20th fucking anniversary. I, I think it's because it says amphetamines in the film, do you? I think it's just my per construct of the English language, as you enjoyed it. Could be, yeah. Point out <laughs> at every fucking... I don't know if epiphanies <laughs> would be the right word there, really. It's really? Sort of, yeah. So it's GQ's fault? I think it's yeah, probably it's like GQ's new, fault, new yeah. Secrets, hey. News. What does GQ stand for? Anyone know? Gentlemen's quality. Gentle, gentlemen's quarterly. <laughs> gentlemen's quarterly. Is it? Yes. It is it a quarterly, quarterly magazine? It isn't a quarterly magazine. No. Well, that's some uh, bullshit, right? It's there. yeah, exactly. GQ Radio needs Times. to have a GQ right. needs to have a hard look. Is it weekly, monthly? What is it? It's a monthly magazine. It's for yeah. vegetarian. Gentlemen's corn. Gentlemen's corn. Yeah. Or like the vegetarian yeah. corn. Yeah, vegetarian option. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just a whole <laughs> magazine just uh, about vegetarian this is what you can make with corn it's great and then Al Pacino was a thing it just slipped on me we, we, what's the general knowledge well it was it was recipes. it was vegetarian cocaine that he was taking so yeah no animals were, ki- were killed in the making of that cocaine <laughs> anyway well what's in cocaine apart from cocaine uh, Rory? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're, the resident, you're the resident coke fiend here. A, a more seasoned character than this. <laughs> um, isn't it powdered um, powder? Opa, uh, Pi- powdered powder. Powdered powder. <laughs> Is it an opiate cocaine? Is no, it? it's heroin. No. no, but like it, there's lots of things that are opiates. Like. <laughs> I bet. I don't like codeine's an opiate. Uh, heroin's an Is, opiate. is codeine from cocaine? No. Opium, but you just said cocaine could be opium. As, as, as I, don't, I don't know. Is it? Is it not Coca Cola? It's not. It's not Coca Cola. No, no, that's it's cocaine. That's in Coca Cola. Oh, it was cocaine. that was in Coca Cola. Did you hear recently there was a lot of cocaine discovered at a Coca Cola plant? Ooh, because that used to be their their old I, secret ingredient. Aye, it was aye. ingredient X. Yes, but no, because I always think of that when when people say like if someone's going to have like a regular Coke. Rather than like a diet coke or something, they might say full fat coke. Okay, it's just to be a bit humorous or whatever. Oh, it's like it, is 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 there an option for cocaine? Like, is is there like so this one's cut with like ice and sugar? Cocaine zero, uh, and then this one is uh, cut with. As long as this one doesn't doesn't go straight to my ass, I'll I'll sniff it. I'll sniff the shit out of it. No, but this one's like cut with sugar, and then this one's cut with Splenda. So uh, it's all. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one's called with Sherbert. <laughs> well, pretty much that's all. Co- that's, that's the morning one. <laughs> well, pretty much all cocaine's diet coke anyway, because like, you, you, you lose a lot of weight on cocaine, don't you? I, I, I wouldn't know. I'm I, think, I think you do. I think, I think that's a signature thing of like cokeheads, like they're really like Is skinny it? and stuff. I think so. No, I thought that was a side effect. Also, that's why people so, did it. <laughs> I don't know. No. We're all very wholesome uh, boys, so we don't know, do we? Physical symptoms, this is from Wikipedia, <laughs> may include a fast heart rate, sweating, and large pupils. High doses can result in very high blood pressure or body temperature. Effects begin within seconds to minutes of use and last between 5 and 90 minutes. Cocaine has a small number of accepted medical uses, such as numbing and decreasing bleeding during nasal surgery. 
Uh, well, he just pops some cocaine up there. It's like, do his line before yeah. you do your fucking <laughs> nose yeah. surgery. Yeah. yeah, I'd get a lot of nasal right. surgery. That's what people say. It's like, coach, yeah. like a, right. just go on that toilet. That's where we yeah. nasal surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was I was nasal surgery on the fucking balls. What was the whole point then? It was it was the it was the Academy Awards or the Academy interviews for Heat or something? Yeah, the thing Christopher Nolan did. Yeah. He, there was like a 20th anniversary uh, yeah, celebration did, for Heat. Yeah, they did like a 4K restoration of it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's fun. Do you want me to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, Al Pacino said that his character was supposed to be taking coke the entire way through. Yeah. Um, I think it was it was a thing that he has said for years. Um, anytime I've heard it, I just thought it was Al Pacino saying it um just saying like oh i i played him like this but i watched those interviews and it was actually a thing that him and michael mann agreed on that uh, the character would be sort of off screen kind of chipping cocaine or you know before he goes and does his job or whatever that's what he'd be doing and um he said this is it explains a lot of the kind of erratic behavior and the way he goes on and that but um i think they did both agree on it, but Michael Mann sort of said that uh, it'd be too obvious and on the nose if they show him doing it, so they decided just not to show him doing it and stuff. And so that's kind of the, the idea of the topic you were talking about, anyway. Just sort of things that are parts of characters that we might not necessarily know, or things that are subtle enough in a film, or perhaps too subtle. Off-screen subplots. Yeah. Like, uh, well, it's interesting. And hate is there is another one. Um, there's another. Huh? Hmm? Oh, there's another. <laughs> but, uh, actually, Judd's character, uh, who's married to what's it? What's her name? Uh, Shehirless. What do you call her? I can't remember. She's married to Val Kilmer in it, and then she has an affair with Hank Azara. Is it from The Simpsons? Hank Azara. Yeah. Hank Azara. Yeah, he's in it. And uh, I forgot he was in Heat. Uh, he's the he's the guy in the great ass scene. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I mean, her past was that. She used to be a prostitute, and that is sort of one of the things she she met Val Kilmer's character, and that's because he was a sort of heavy gambler, and he was in certain circles, and that's sort of that the backstory that they met there, and she used to be a call girl, and met Val Kilmer, got married, had a kid, but um, the only time you can pick that up is really when um, she seems to know how she seems to be perfectly fine that he's a robber, he's a thief. And she knows, um, she knows how much money she'd be getting, how much money you know they need for certain things, and she doesn't seem to bother her. That's the only way you can pick something. Like she's obviously used to crime. Mm. And then the other time is when Hank Azaria meets her, and Daniel was telling her that they go to a hotel room. Which I don't know, you could have went to his house, you could have went there, here, whatever. Or if they just wanted to keep it quiet. I mean, that's that's it's very subtle, but it's not it's not. Spoken of at all in the film, but that that is her backstory that she used to be a call girl. Have you got any? Uh... <laughs> um, no. As just with the whole kind of subtext thing, or like these unspoken things. Yeah. Unless, in some way, they're kind of impacting what's actually happening in the film. Yeah. Does it really matter? I, th- I think when with a director like Michael Mann, when he paints such broad strokes on the thing, I think like he, he uses it to just have the the helpless characters be in the moment, really, because it, 
anytime he's famous for this if they ask where, where, where does this motivation come from for this line I don't <coughs> excuse me um, when he's asking where does the motivation come for this line why does he get suddenly very angry at this point or why does this happen he can explain a time in their life where certain things make them like that mm. you know like for Robert De Niro like oh we know he's in prison and he's not going back that's that's it seems very simple but there, there's lots of subcontext to his character like um, things like being in prison and being regimented is um, everything's their clock it's all about time and so the reason he can time his scores and why, why time is so important to him um, is because of prison it is the thing that has made him good at what he does and it's the thing that's taught him how to not go back there and I, I always find that a sort of a, a funny sort of thing and I think because he's just he's trying to get to this sort of a like uh i think his when his life kind of starts again is, is when he goes to new zealand or that's what his dream is but um the time that he breaks the rules is breaks his own rules is the time that he gets uh taken out as his as, as downfall you know mm. but i think because everybody thought that heat was a sort of a was a genre film it was like because it's not dissimilar to like point break or you know full-time killer or you know any film where it's like a head-to-head kind of thing whereas i think when you, you strap so much subcontext onto all these characters i think it really rises above it it makes it a real thing you know okay <laughs> you know you brought one up earlier when we were kind of trying to figure out this topic of hugh jackman in the prestige yeah i think i mean <laughs> It's not really on the script at all, but I remember it was an interview, I seen with, it was either, no, it was Hugh Jackman, he was talking, I think he was doing an interview for one of the X-Men or something, but uh, he was talking about working with Christopher Nolan, and he, and he said that his character in The Prestige, he asked Christopher Nolan, or, or he thought, he says he should, he should play him as gay, and uh, Christopher Nolan says what he mean, and, and he, he had he had a, a sort of a solid enough explanation for this, you know, and um, I think because he says he was, he was sort of closeted and I think because a lot of uh, the things about the character are closeted he thought maybe his biggest secret is the one you never see or something like this you know mm. and uh, Christopher Nolan says yeah do it he says just keep it kind of subtle but do it like. <laughs> yeah he says if it helps you like you know but I mean I mean that's the thing like, I mean and he did a directorial thing and that there was an actor's thing that it, so he I, felt it, just, it helped it, him it helped him kind of mm. find the character or whatever it was like a hook or whatever I but it's just the the way you present there, and I was like, Christian was like, I I know, dude. It's like, mm-hmm. but, you know, if it helps you, and like, yeah, it's definitely not going to be in the film, and uh, you know. yeah. Mm. But no, because I was going to say it. It sounded when you just said like, oh, Hugh Jackman was playing the character gay. It it kind of just sounded weird to me because like the the explanation he gave of like 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 everything about him's closet and like the biggest secret is yeah. the air where well, it's magicians and it's <laughs> secrecy and it's, yeah you know and i think that, that that's like, that sounds good but just the way i was thinking about it is just like what what would that offer in terms of an audience i like what like in what way is he playing him gay that yeah. it was a thing for him to play him gay like what in what way does it change his performance if he didn't play him gay, you know what I mean? Well, isn't the Hugh Jackman character in the procedure? I mean, uh, like the the whole rivalry that they have all the time. But he's they they're both very dedicated to what they do, and I think given the time that it's set, 
and um you know the, the expectations on men to get married and to to live live certain lives does he if, have like a romantic interest or anything in the no. like like any woman he that has, he like scarlett johansson is his assistant at one point but i don't think they're romantically involved at all yeah okay Sorry, I just couldn't remember. It would have been, you know, if but but if in that era, if you were a man who was, uh, who did the type of things that they do, who were showmen, you know, it would be okay if you were not married and didn't have kids and stuff. Yeah. So maybe he was reading into that, that you know, that 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 he was gay, and maybe that was the reason. Maybe that was part of the part of the, the the motivating factor for for getting so into something because i know often gay people in films they 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 have they are sort of quite talented or they have a a sort of a sort of thing that 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 they that they that they do that that, that their career that they they, their 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 lives are really built around their careers you know maybe i'm just thinking of gay people in real life i don't know <laughs> no, there's even there's a quite a subtle one. Remember we were we were talking about recently in Four Winds and a Funeral. Remember at the funeral, that's the only time you find out that the character was gay. Yeah, I I do, I, do, I remember us talking about this, but I don't I I thought that that was fairly explicit the whole way through. No. That, 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 that is that all our Rory just not fucking uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The, the, the character. Um, it's the Scottish guy. He's in uh, oh, he's in Stacks of Things. But it's um, you know the guy that's in the new TV show uh. It's called like fucking badass or something or what the fuck do you call it? <laughs> or it's what um, the fuck do you call him here? Uh, John Hanna's partner Simon Callow. So, so Simon Callow and 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 John Hanna are a couple together in yeah. Four Weddings and a Funeral. But you you don't know. I, I, I'm I'm convinced of this. I mean I might need to watch again, but I don't think I don't think you know until it's uh, John Callow's character dies. I remember there is a line that the, near the end after he dies that. They um they say oh we, we oh, look at all us and um and we're uh, and we're all caught up in our own shit and wondering uh, when they were the great sort of love affair yeah. that was going on and we didn't know about it maybe yeah. I think maybe that maybe yeah. it's that because it's like the guy dies and he dies of a heart attack he was just this big joyful kind of guy and he dies of a heart attack and then it's what he thought was what what uh, you see on screen is his best friend is actually his partner John Hanney gives a speech mm. at his funeral which actually reveals that they were partners yeah. and it's just it's such a good reveal but I mean it's it's delivered so whatever like you know if, if you know obviously because you're with these characters the whole time you sort of know exactly what he's talking about and then I think it's the scene after Hugh Jackman kind of or Hugh Grant says uh, you know he says do you think you know somebody and we're running around being single as you you know said there and he says that was like you know it would have been cool though if you Jackman had come in at that point, and, you know, just, just through the. I'm also gay. <laughs> I love Aye, being just, gay. Just full prestige, fucking yeah. gay. He just appears like the trick Aye. went wrong, and he just fucking appears. Because <laughs> he never got to say every time he, he tried to improvise, "I'm gay and the prestige." He was all, "All right, cut." What are you doing? Just what are you at doing? the end of every scene, he's like. And also, I'm gay. <laughs> you need a rainbow flag off camera aye, to aye. sort it's, of convince it's set you. The whole, aye. It's like, what if I just gave him like a like a tiny kiss before the aye. scene ends? He keeps accidentally dropping dollars out of his pocket. <laughs> and he's all off, off. Oh, you know, he's all. Did you get that? And he's all. No, I didn't. I'm not going either. <laughs> the the I don't know if you have seen the Descent 2005 film. Um, it's a horror and. It's about a group of women who go caving, 
as a sort of they've been friends for years and and they have this they have a big bonding thing and they encounter these creatures in the caves when they're when they're caving it's a very very good horror film a lot of it happens in darkness um and uh but the 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 pre um most of the film happens a year after this horrible accident happens at the beginning of the film in which two characters die and one of the women who goes down into the caves as part of this expedition is the survivor of that accident and um there's there as they're as they're going through and having their adventure and then they get attacked by these uh monsters they there there are some things revealed about their relationship and like that one of them possibly had an affair with the other person's husband and it, it, it's very very subtly i mean i went to see it with some people and they told me oh yeah obviously something happened there yeah. and it gets it gets to the point where they they they're all friends when they go down there but then they start getting attacked but then there's points where they have to sort of sacrifice each other and and sac- and, and really just look out for themselves um when they're in being attacked by these monsters under the ground and they and uh, th- that's when sort of the, the other relationship <coughs> things came come out yeah. and you can really start to see a dynamic between all these friends because at the beginning they're, they're all these you know intelligent sort of sassy women and they're in this log cabin and one of them has done the, the pothole in the cave and thing before and then some of them haven't and you can sort of see this whole dynamic of, of you know there's a bit of tension between them and uh, one of them is uh, not the gay thing coming in again. <laughs> one of them is a lesbian, and she <laughs> she maybe um, you know fancies one of the other women, but the, the, well, some of the women are married, and this whole thing sort of develops. Um, but it's it's only when they actually uh, encounter these monsters. It is, I mean, the, the the point of it is a horror film, but the subplot stuff is all about relationships and and uh, you know these friends mm. who on the surface really like each other but being involved in this very traumatic situation um brings out sort of jealousies and um real kind of problems that they that they have with each other and mm. sort of festering things and um i think if you if you see it from the start you can see you can see there, there are some real sort of um you know definitely written in uh, things that are they're very that are non-explicit uh, about about their relationship and it's, it's it's an interesting sort of dynamic that you put that you put that in a horror film first that you have a horror film that's mainly sort of female characters and then you know that all their sort of bitchiness and jealousy all comes up mm. when they're being confronted by these demons could go into the whole thing here about the, the, how the <laughs> demons underground and they go underground and then the demons are metaphors for the things they haven't dealt with as friends and then their relationships and stuff mm. so uh, yeah the descent for a good film mm. there was a sequel as well but I haven't seen the sequel mm. what's the sequel called? it's called The Descent 2 yes <laughs> uh, it's just like could you go like The the descent or like what's what's the next the dissension, the dissension, the more descent. Like if it was called deep, it would <laughs> yeah, be called yeah. deeper. You the know what I mean? Descent, uh, deeper underground. <laughs> Too much panic in this town. 
JK one there. <laughs> is that what's gay, what's gay about panic? He's saying gay people are all about panic. What? <laughs> <laughs> Never mentioned gay people. <laughs> what did you not? Write? No. Oh, sorry. What did you say then? JK is. Oh, so, oh right. You said JK. I thought you said gay. All oh, right. No. I thought we gay one there. Yeah. I was like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, there reference in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just slap and see who knows. <laughs> See if you can see the subplot, the secret subplot of this podcast. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That we all yeah. secretly hate each other. <laughs> Just wrap that up then. <laughs> okay, we'll move on to a recommendations. What, what did you watch or what would you recommend then? Like, my recommendation is actually, I think I might have done it before, but fuck it, it's in my head. It's uh, King of Kong. Festival of Quarters. You yeah. see it? Kong, Kong. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, it's a documentary about guys trying to get the high score on Donkey Kong. And it sounds super boring. And why would people be interested in this? But it's actually really good. And it's 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 mental to me how much of it is like a film. Like you, you, you have the hero and you have a villain and there's this whole back and forth like oh he beat him oh no but he did this here but he cheated and it's like it's uh, a true it's a true story but the way it just they've structured or whatever it just it really just it, like you could do it just as a film that story and yeah. I, it would nobody would blink yeah but yeah it's. I think it's a lot of fun. It's 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 really interesting just to kind of see like I I like video games and stuff and just that whole competitive nature and how serious people people take it and stuff and just Billy Mitchell is just pure evil <laughs> and it's just it's insane. Do you know Billy Mitchell's the the fucking by the waistcoat? No, yeah, he always wears like a like a funky tie and he has long hair uh, and he has he has his own hot sauce. <laughs> but it's like this is the thing like this this person is a fucking caricature you know what I mean? <laughs> and like he even has like a wee sniveling sidekick and stuff it's like it's, it's like it just sounds really made up but it isn't and i think that's just that's what keeps you captivated and you're really rooting for the hero is steve weeby and he's just he's just this really nice guy that has a family and he enjoys playing donkey kong <laughs> you know what i mean and it's 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 a lot of fun. It's really interesting, and even though if it doesn't sound like your cup of tea, I think you should give it a go because it's uh, actually great. There's a there's a sense on that film. Uh, it's it, it's fine in the film and out there, but there, there's a thing in, which happens in uh, you know Man V Food, which it just starts in on me because come on, he's eating a fucking burger. Calm down, they're all. Yeah, no, I, th- I think he, I think he's gonna, he, he's gonna get about halfway through the burger, and that that that'll be where he'll struggle. But I, I think, I think he'll be okay. And then there's all, it sounds like a fucking Olympic sport. The way he's fucking talking about it, like you know what I mean? It he's, is. He's, he's, he's eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> he's eating a cheeseburger. But it's a really big cheeseburger. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you you know, couldn't eat that cheeseburger. It's just like, you know, like all these experts because they they also have to eat food. <laughs> like fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Donkey Kong thing. There's a wee bit of that. Like you know, and you're all. It's, it's Donkey Kong, like, but apart from no, that, no, it's serious. Is is an Olympic sport? <laughs> <laughs> I well, the only reason that 
you don't mind that is because your other boy's a fucking wanker and you hey, want to see him uh, you crash see and burn. Him you don't care what what it's about. I don't you really just care. You just want to see him fail. You know, if, if it's it a hot sauce contest, party, like, take uh, him down. You know what I mean? Take him down. Just take that bastard down. He nearly, he, like, he has hairdo like fucking Darth Vader as well. You know what I <laughs> mean? It's insane. That's metal. But yeah, fun flick. He's probably secretly bald as well. Watch dogs. Like Darth Vader. Mm. There you go. <laughs> What's your shelf for your recommendation? Um, well, I was talking about The Descent earlier on. I definitely recommend The Descent. It's, it's a, I mean, if, if you like horror, definitely. Um, uh, just for all the reasons I, I, I said about it, it's about relationships and it's about <laughs> what happens when you go underground and meet monsters. Um, the... I, 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 I went to see Steve Jobs last year when it came out and I actually had to leave um, a, um, a third of the way through and it recently came on Sky and um, the film is in three parts. It, I think yeah. the first part is the first Mac. Then it's is that where you left the flat there or there without explanation? Oh, uh, did I? You just, uh, you just fucked off and I was all, huh? And then came in Steve Jobs, uh, maybe. No, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, Do you walk out of Steve, Steve I Jobs? I walked out of Steve Jobs. <laughs> no, you, you in, in your you own living room. Until I changed the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Rory, Aye. come home. I was just like, I'm away. Yeah, yeah. Is it yeah. off? Aye. Aye. Yeah. Right then. Um, no, the first. What is the? It's the first Mac. It's the iMac, and then it's the iPhone. I think. No, 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 it's it's the first Mac, and then it's Steve Jobs' own computer. Oh yes, the, the, the next, next day, next and then generation. then it's the iMac, and then the iMac. So I didn't see the iMac episode, so I saw the first two the episode, the <laughs> episode of the film. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a it's a it's a it's a, so so each one is like forty five minutes for each episode. So then I, I I finished watching it a year <laughs> after I saw it, but I would recommend it. Um, uh, people would say, "Oh, you have to be an Apple fan to watch this." Yeah, you probably would enjoy it if you know the whole lineage and the story of the Mac and the iPhone and iOS and all that stuff. Um, but uh, really, for the characters, um, not necessarily Fassbender as Jobs, more the Kate Winslet character, yeah, and the Seth Rogen character who was Seth Rogen plays Wozniak, Steve Wozniak, yeah. and his relationship to them. And he he treats particularly Steve Wozniak terribly, and there are many stories about how he actually treated him. and actually <laughs> did treat him really, really badly. But when it comes to the Jeff Daniels character, who was the CEO of Apple and yeah. formerly of Pepsi, um, when it comes to him, sort of, uh, there's a scene where he he uses him to get the jobs or something, and and Jobs is really. Annoyed, he's like, um, "Don't use Rain Man. Don't use uh, Rain Man to get at me. Don't you ever do that." And and th- this running running joke that um, or not joke running theme that that Wozniak wants constantly the Apple II team to be recognized and and uh, Apple II was like in the in the seventies and then the Apple computer was in the was in the early eighties. And then even by the even when you get to the iMac, uh, the final the third mm. act, which is the iMac, um, he's still going. Oh, I really like you to acknowledge the Apple II team. You know, this, uh, yeah, let's acknowledge these. And it, it's it's um, it's yeah, it's it's that character and the um, the 
the, the, the Kate Winslet character who's his PA as well she's very good um, Fassbender I, I kind of think he plays Jobs as uh, just as a one note kind of dominant I I really liked Fassbender's Jobs just for the simple reason that like I'm a big Michael Fassbender fan and you know like we've talked about it before when somebody's just a celebrity that when you see them act like with Leonardo DiCaprio I always just see Leonardo DiCaprio you like you kind of forget who the character is in yeah. this film oh, you, do, you yeah. just always think oh fuck Leo's on the ground what's mm. gonna happen <laughs> but with Michael Fassbender in that film particularly I I never thought oh Michael Fassbender yeah. I was thinking Steve Jobs and just the fact that it made me forget that it was him mm-hmm. I just I, I really enjoyed having that even though, yeah, pr- pretty like as you're saying, like a one note character, like pr- pretty much like they just paint him as a bastard. Mm. But I think, I think what they were going for is because Steve Jobs is so lauded, like especially by Apple fans of the air, like he's genius and all this here. And they really wanted to get across that, yes, he did do all those things. Yet he, he, he had a certain mind for putting this stuff out, but he was also pretty much a bastard <laughs> like like uh, i mean i think there it, is a scene where he explains uh to somebody in a roundabout way why he is a bastard and you wouldn't have this imac and you wouldn't have all yeah. this technology if i wasn't a bastard yeah and like I made sure... he was he was ruthless like and mm. that's and i think they just really wanted to get across that side of him because you could you could easily do a steve jobs film where he is just a really nice guy and a hero and a genius and he created all this stuff and he's amazing but I think it, Danny Boyle just really wanted to get across that he he did all these things, but in not a very nice way. Mm. Maybe the Ashton Kutcher version is yeah, actually a very nice person. Yeah, I, I reckon and, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I didn't do as well. You want a bastard playing Steve Jobs. Or Steve Jobs playing Michael Fassbender playing Steve Jobs as a bastard. He's a bastard, man. He's a fucking bastard, but I got an iPhone. Nah, he's probably nice, really. It's probably just well. It's probably, probably was <laughs> probably was just spreading rumors about himself because because he, he never because he never thanked fucking Apple II boys. Heron recommendation. Um, I'm gonna recommend Good Vibrations. Uh, oh, did you, uh, also from your your cheap DVD aye, stack. Also from a DVD. Oh, I should have thought of the Jewelist actually. I'll, I'll I'll talk about that next week. Save it. But um. Uh, not a great film, but I mean, <laughs> uh, no, I recommend it. Uh, Good Vibrations. Um, it's the story of Terry Hooley in Belfast who set up a record store during the Troubles because one of the things that was uh, a kind of a joining force between uh, nationalist and unionist uh, people was the music scene, uh, most notably the punk music scene. And, uh, the undertones from Derry make a wee appearance in it as well. Fergal Sharky's about the size of a fucking tree. And Fergal Sharky was... Is it the actual undertones? quite short. I, no, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's boys playing the undertones. I was going to say, if, if it's them now playing them in the 70s, no, no, that would be fuck. very strange. Um, no, I really like it. There's a, I, I get, it's, a, it's a nice sort of uh, flawed character too. You know, he... It's one of these things where opportunity versus passion, or opportunity versus maybe how he wants to be remembered. 
and he kind of when I say opportunity I mean financial opportunity and kind of keeping the thing alive and this kind of thing and uh, it's I mean it's a very good film for demonstrating that I mean he just he just loves music and he, he sees what the punk movement was doing he could see a broader picture he was the one person that could see it really and uh there's still, as it said, it's as I said, it's set in the backdrop of the troubles and stuff. So all that kind of stuff is going on, and people who are what we call long hairs or in the music and stuff like this here. There's an interesting thing about some of the uh, parliamentaries in it because there's an interesting line where he says, uh, "I knew him ten years ago," uh, and I know him now. I, I, I know him ten years ago. He's an asshole, and I know him now. He's just an asshole. back on, and. Because there was things like, if you weren't picking a side, you were also getting, you know, a beating, or you were getting your fucking hair cut, you know, yeah. you were getting your hair cut by like fucking sheep shear and scissors and this kind of stuff and all, and that was an interesting thing I hadn't seen before, mm. and uh, I think all in all, it's a, it's, a, it's a really, it's a really good film, it sort of hits, it, it pushes things in the right way, it, it doesn't uh, shy away from any of the subject matter, and it also has a really good... Uh, spurred to it of hope and how that cuts through any shit that uh, was going on at the time. Mm. It's it's interesting that we were just talking about Fastbender there because I remember when Good Vibrations was being made, they were talking about putting Fastbender in it, and I I, I think I, I remember I went to this premiere of Good Vibrations in Derry with the directors Lisa Burrows Desar and um, Glenn Laburn, uh-huh. and uh, they. I remember I asked them a question after the screening about, you know, you, you I think once said you were going to, there was rumours about you casting Fassbender and stuff, but I'm glad you didn't because this film would have suffered, I think, if it had a, had a big name playing one of the main characters because it's it's a really, really sort of character-driven mm. piece. Yeah. And there's so many good lines in it and it's it's the kind of film where... The whole, the film itself and the place and the story has to be the star, and it can't be, you know, it can't be sort of cast contingent type of yeah. film. There's so there's so many so many good good the, right. just about this whole sort of um, sectarian Aye. thing in it. In there's the um, <laughs> oh <laughs> no, I know there is. I'm just trying to find something here. But yeah. The, 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 there's a line where he's near the start of the film where there's a sort of slow motion. Um, seen in in a bar, Dylan Moran plays the barman, and uh, and Terry Hilly goes to his bar a lot. And he's in fact he's one of the people that only people when the troubles start, people stop going to bars and they stop going out and everything gets mm. shit basically. And he says, I used to know socialists, I used to know communists, I used to know conservatives, I used to know liberals. Belfast was a great place; it was this brilliant place. But now all I know is Catholics and Protestants. And that's it. It's this real scene Fuck, where, the, yeah. where in, the, in this picture doesn't it sort of translate into people all in this bar, yeah. And then they all become just fighting with Two each sides, other, aye, aye. and they divide. And that's mm. a real. I mean, for as an, if you want to understand sort of the evolution of Northern Ireland and how everything went to shit, you know, that's mm. a very good place to start. I yeah. don't. I don't realize that film kind of dealt with that stuff like from yeah. from just mm. kind of seeing promotion stuff or it just kind of looked like a kind of fun nearly like commitments yeah. kind of film of just this guy no it's a bit more than that you know and uh 
It's, it's really strange scene, and I think it's the first scene where the they take the band out. Yes, they play at the town hall, <coughs> or they played some fucking they toured a wee bit, and they played some town hall, and it's quite obvious that the band aren't where the audience are. It's like the band are playing their screen, and then the audience are playing their screen of the band. Right. Just, I mean, obviously it could be a shell focusing, but it's not. It's just it's, it's definitely like two different places. Like, and at the time, I was sort of wondering whether that was intentional. Was it a strange sort of thing? I think I thought maybe because they deliberately isolate uh, the band, this mental band, from like a conservative society, and then mm. and then actually bringing them in then. But um, I could, but I mean, if you look at the a lot of the exterior shots in the film, there's, yeah. there's, they're very tight. As if this group of four yeah, guys yeah, walking yeah. down the street, you cannot, you can see that there are buildings in the background, but you can't see what those buildings Dead, are yeah, yeah. because those buildings were probably bombed yeah. since, uh, if they wanted them to look like they did in the eighties, like. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was quite a low budget film, so maybe that that was part of it. Although the final scene with the Ulster Hall concert. Um, it was I think it was uh, your man out of Snow Patrol he was one of the main supporters of it and he actually got the the fans of Snow Patrol to turn up um, early for the concert and uh, and dress in 70s gear to to replicate That's the concert right, they, would, they were they weren't actually able to afford nobody you know yeah. that was their whole budget to, to do a budget of, of, a, of a big concert like that so they they actually faked it and did, did the, you, uh, uh, what do you call him a scene uh barry fahey in a crowd and a scene oh did you uh tom nickel as well oh really uh, they're both very well man there you go <laughs> <laughs> Steve boys went but uh, just as an honor, we straight. I didn't realize they were Snow Patrol fans. Uh, neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> no, they must have heard about it. Like they're all dressed up in the gear. Like I just had a really bad fucking deja vu thing there. Yeah. Have we had this conversation before? Don't know. Probably. <laughs> but uh, just as a wee thing, uh, Richard Dormer plays Terry Hulley, Uh Back a few months ago, when I was still in hospital, my ma were uh, my ma and I were going for dinner, and obviously it was a sort of a tough enough time for them whatever and all and uh they were up uh in a restaurant i'll not say where whatever but uh sat down next to this guy whatever and they didn't know who it was it was richard dormer and uh they were sitting next to him they ended up chatting away to him and they were telling about me and stuff and back and forth and all this kind of thing and uh when they went to pay their bill like he had left and they were sitting chatting for about an hour when they went to pay their bill uh they discovered that he paid for it and, really? and left him a bottle of champagne and uh that's just a nice wee sort of thing there but uh mm. you think they would have taken him up to the hospital to see you Jesus <laughs> Christ <laughs> <That's> <laughs> very selfish of them Jesus uh, what the they didn't even get his <laughs> autograph or anything for I you I don't know mate uh, I and like I think he's like it's a fault on him as well. He should have went up to the hospital Aye. fucking see you. Like, <laughs> see Dormer, like he, he knew he knew see, where you were. He knew his type. name. <laughs> fucking dickhead. Only Aye. a fucking meal and a bottle of champagne. Like Aye. fucking just prick. Fucking throw money at people, Dormer. That's all right. Hey, yeah, you, hey, <laughs> you just fucking threw your money. At them. Uh. So it hurts sitting on that fat wallet. <laughs> no, that's, uh, no, cool. that's not I, I, I think I will. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll deliberately go to my way to watch his films now because that was that was a very nice one. Mm. You should you should tweet at him. Uh, his Twitter. He's, he's he's very good. I don't know what you think of five minutes five minutes of heaven, but uh, he's very good in that as a as a 
very sort of self-important Northern Ireland TV producer. Mm, um, mm. And <laughs> I, I really like his character and that's a really, yeah. really good character. All of the... Uh, so, as somebody who works and knows TV productions and the kind of people you find in them, yeah. especially in Northern Ireland, it's the perfect takeoff yeah. of, of of a Northern Ireland set of a, uh, of a documentary type. He's film. great in Seventy One as well. Mm. He's the. Have you seen Seventy One? Is that the Jack O'Connell one? Yeah. No, I'm seeing him. Uh, he's uh, he's very good in that as well. And I'll tell you what he as or does, but he's 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 very good in that as well. No, just just a mad thing that came into my head. I don't know how this conversation made me, but it's all about sausage party. <laughs> but no, it was just I was I was watching a thing. It was on Collider Video that they were they were talking about sausage party, and just one of the people on it was saying that he had a problem with the film in the same way that he has problems with like religious films or like faith based films mm-hmm. that. With faith-based films, they they're obviously pushing an agenda of religion and like, like there was one came out recently like God's not dead or something like air, and it's mm-hmm. about a school teacher that tries to teach or the students about God, and then she like gets sued by the thing and she gets fired, and it's painting like non-religious people as these bad people, and like she's greater good because she's holy or whatever. Mm. So obviously pushing some kind of agenda, and he says he, he that's why he doesn't like those kinds of films. But in Sausage Party, they they they're also kind of pushing an agenda. Like as I said, like they they use the stereotypes of the food for the the for like actual like nationalities and stuff, and it's kind of they use that they highlight some of the problems of the world of like wars and just tensions between countries, and then they present, um. Uh, a solution to that and they present a certain way to be and it's it's a very like liberal idea or whatever hmm. but he just said he he had a similar kind of problem that they're it's really obvious and really like they're they're pushing that idea and even it's on that you do agree with or, or you don't agree with it's just the fact that they're kind of shoving that right in there it was he just he didn't like it and that was the problem of it I just thought it was an interesting idea that even if it's something that you agree with or something that you think could make the world better, should it be as overt and obvious and just really stuck in there like that? Um, it's probably not the time to bring this up because we're trying to end the podcast. Yeah, the podcast it, would, was, uh, it was just an interesting thought that I had about it. Like. Yeah. I think it's a phrase from Seven that Kevin Spacey says, and he's a fucking psychopath, but... Uh, he says, I think people need to be slapped around the face with a sledgehammer before they get a point across. Otherwise, you just miss it. Like, you know, it's it's these kinds of things where when people criticize films and they go, oh, that would never happen. That's why we're watching it. You know, mm. why would we watch yeah. Why would we watch it if, if, if it didn't happen? You're just watching them getting on their lives. You know, yeah. you're watching it because of the coincidence. You're watching it because of this. You're watching it because it's turned up to 11, because it's turned up a bit higher. Mm. And, you know, even, for example, on things like In the Name of the Father, which is based on, you know, the, the diary of Jerry Conlon, uh, uh, is it presumed innocent? Or yeah. I think it's called. And um, things like out there, I mean, they, they fix things and they change things, just, you know, things like about uh, Emma, Tom- uh, Emma Thompson's character, that she wasn't a lawyer, she was a researcher and all, but they fix that and turn things up to 11 because it just makes the film better mm. you know and, and it highlights the point you know that they they him and the IRA guy who did plant a bomb in Guilford were never in the same prison in real life but in the film they are which heightens the tension which heightens which puts Jerry Conlon face to face with a person 
of what this is what they think of him yeah. this is what they think of Jerry Conn you know is that kind of guy you know and the guy the guy comes across as <coughs> he will literally do fucking anything if he thinks it's for the cause like he sets a guard and fire and stuff in the film and um that that sort of thing I think is better because it helps drama I mean it's not affecting the point I think it's helping it because it's drama it, it definitely helps the point in, in lots of senses when you change too much I think you've just lost a complete fucking point of the whole. If you if you want if you want reality, watch a documentary right. about the thing. It's a film. It's a, it's a drama. Mm. You know. Mm. If, you know. I I, I went to. I was talking. We were talking about good vibrations. I was sitting beside um, this guy in Good Vibrations, um, who's the father, who's um, brother of one of the undertones, mm. and and I was like, what did you think of the film at the end of it? And he was like, that's not how it, how it happened at all. That's not how they got the John Peel. It was a whole different thing. And I was like, no, I don't care. Oh, I don't off. fucking care. Right. It's a fucking film. It's a film. <laughs> it's a film. It's nothing to do with reality. Right. You know, it's... like in, in Heat, what Neil McCauley was uh, fucking scoping out was a supermarket you know it's nowhere near as dramatic as a fucking downtown los angeles bank like you're like oh i know i'm kind of happy they changed that the, the, real, <laughs> the real guy Aye, the mean, real so. guy he was scoping a supermarket he mm. was going to do the tills in the supermarket you know eh, don't know <laughs> downtown la bank during fucking rush hour Aye, nice one let's <laughs> fucking see i'd like to see that yeah. But what, what what do you think you about? Could have had him doing a sliding gun scene along the checkout. So <laughs> that'd be nice. Beep, beep. <laughs> no, just fucking firing a few rounds off. But you know, apart from that, no. Well, sure. Pacino got that on Carlito's way going down the escalator. Yeah, and Hot Fuzz got it, and the Hot Fuzz. <laughs> that well, what's what's in there? There's a big shootout in the supermarket in Hot Fuzz stand. But did they did they do those? I don't think they did. It. Well, they might. I don't know. I don't know. But um, there's a shootout in the supermarket. Aye. But what what do you think specifically about <clears throat> a film pushing a certain viewpoint or like an agenda so overtly? It, like, um, to, it, I I to be honest, I I, I find it jars. Um, I, I prefer it whenever whenever you can make up your own yeah. mind about the film. Yeah. Um, and, and and or miss it completely or miss what the, what they what they're trying to say I mean, it wasn't I, I've, I haven't seen natural born killers or shock horror but isn't natural natural born killers an example of that of the it even says on the poster of the film something the tagline is the media made them superstars and Oliver Stone's whole um thing behind that was you know th- 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 these these guys are serial killers and they keep going and you know when you see the whole when serial murders happen and terrorist attacks happen um the the media will really sort of eulogize and find out the story of of the of the, mm. of the person and they recommend that they don't do that um but natural born killers really sort of drove that home and oliver stone obviously wanted to make that make that point yeah. Um. So things like that, to be honest, that put me off. Uh, I remember being in school and somebody saying that was it was, it was almost too much, and that put me off watching that film. Actually, that's why I haven't seen it and Massive events and stuff. Like, but, an, uh, an interesting one is, is with you, are you finished, yeah. Right. An interesting one is is with uh, Scorsese because what they tend to say is that oh, glor- I, I, the one thing I hate was to say oh, glorified gangster. It's just all it's on film. You know, it's just fuck off. You know. It's on a big screen, so it's going to be glorified in some way. So just piss off home. I don't care. But the thing about using the rock music and stuff like this here is, this is he used to look out his window and I used to saw guys getting their fucking heads knocked into the Rolling Stones. 
because that's what the music was playing at the time and that's mm. what was happening on the street and so that, that's why he uses it that's why he uses popular music but even like even further than that for example of uh the wolf of wall street i mean that's become his style so i mean wolf of wall street he wasn't there watching your man do all this stuff but yeah that's become his style of using pop and rock music to tell stories but i remember it was a friend of mine chris came out and he says it was a fucking relentless film and it was he thought it did glorify it but what i think about what he's he does with a lot of his characters is he gets you into the the mindset of them he gets you nearly laughing at at, at what they do they shine a mirror up to yourself and you go fuck I'm laughing I'm enjoying that a bit too much mm. you know that's the point whereas people are oh it's really funny when uh, Joe Pesci puts the boy's head in a vice you know in fucking casino or whatever and you're like it's not written it's not really you know and <laughs> the whole point of it is the, how much do you really enjoy it or how much do you believe it and I think that is nearly the scary part of his films is that when people enjoy it a wee bit too much mm. you know like Taxi Driver and stuff like this here and you know for example is when this guy went to try and kill the president for Jodie Foster and based on his experience of Taxi Driver you yeah. know that's an example but that's you know that, that, that's the, the power of that film too but I think that that's what I think his, his direction of it is is that uh, it's getting you on it in order for you to go what do I agree or disagree with about this guy or can I understand him I understand that motive do I agree with it do I not yeah it kind of reminds me of when we had the discussion about American Sniper uh-huh. and Chan said the fact that it doesn't highlight the the bad things about war uh, that it was Chan's stack phrase on that podcast was they shouldn't have been there I was alright well th- th- that's grand but the fact they were there <laughs> let's just you know it's not about whether they were there or not Dude, that's what I was sort of trying to get at in that one but like like I because I was trying to say to him like what Clinice was doing in that film is he's he's just presenting it as as it happened, and then yeah. you you make up your own mind, and that's what Rory said about it, is he prefers Aye. if you make up your own mind rather than this overt yeah, kind of message. Clint Eastwood does that in a lot of his films. It's just just there's there it is. But what but but what Chan was saying because he's not here to defend himself, so <laughs> I have to be have to be Chan right now. What is right? <laughs> but. Uh, no, he was saying it. He should have shown the bad, the bad side of it, and he. But he he seen the omission of not showing the bad stuff as that was pro war, but in yeah. in reality, well, what I thought of it anyway was that he's just presenting it as it was. Yeah, and from, from their point of view, from, from from what he called the character, the main guy, uh, Chris Chris Ryan. I don't know. Well, Bradley Cooper, <laughs> just from Bradley Cooper's specific point of view of him as the American sniper, he, yeah. what, he like killed most the more I think it's the highest Ryan, people or whatever. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. But it's presented from that point of view, and then you can make up your own mind about yeah. whether he was a hero or uh-huh. an animal. Mm. You know what I mean? See, well, see, this is the thing: is I remember the first time I seen American Gangster. And because Ridley Scott's such a classist filmmaker, it was like when all the drugs were being shown and stuff like that there, there was just these cutaways, the it was cutaways, the people taking heroin and taking things like this here. Uh, characters we had not seen before and we only seen in this section of the film because it was like whatever. It was coming to the end or, or they needed to fill up that scene or they needed to get add pace to it by showing a montage or something. Mm. And I always found it a very cheap part of the film. 
if it was in a scene with one of the characters, then I thought, right, that's fine. And that's good. You know, because that, that for example, that that is the power of that scene at the end of Band of Brothers when they eventually find a concentration camp and they didn't know that they existed. Is when the characters go there and see it. Mm. That is the impact of that scene. You're like, what the fuck? And it freaks you, even though you knew it existed, that's the impact that scene of seeing all these, all these these Jews who have been, you know, starved and they're giving them food and then they basically take it off them. The fact that the characters are interacting with that as opposed to just showing us a fucking cutaway that second unit shot somewhere on a fucking Saturday. You know, that stuff annoys me and that's why I think American Sniper benefited from not having any of that shit on them. Man. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, uh, people go to see, they've obviously snuck that in, that message or whatever it is at the end of Sausage Party or the end or the in Sausage Party. Um, <laughs> it snuck it yeah, into the hot dog, um, uh, but uh, they, yeah, but but uh, to be honest, it's put me off going to see it now. I mean, I probably really, wasn't yeah. going to go and see it now. But if, if you tell me there's a message, because <laughs> so the, the Jewish bagels and the, <laughs> the Italian tomatoes and the Irish spuds all get together and yeah, make a big na- stew of love in the universe, <laughs> is that is probably something like that, right? Okay, I I can cannot confirm or deny that. But <laughs> if you. I mean, if you take something like I, I when first got gum first, I love came the out, idea of just the old make a bite nice stew. Yeah, <laughs> nice. It, is, uh, it has to be an Irish stew, though. I think, uh, yeah, not, uh, a, not a sort of uh, ratatouille. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a blended. It's, it's, a, blended. It's, a, it's an Irish ratatouille. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Irish ratatouille. Blending yeah. of cultures. I've solidarity. had many. A solidarity stew. <laughs> a solidarity a stew. stew. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um, but like you take I, when Forrest Gump came out first, there was a big. Sort of like what you're saying about American Sniper, there was a big debate about, um, like, oh, do is it a left wing film? Is it a right wing film? What is it saying about America? What is it saying about the American dream and uh, success and uh, you know the the, the whole the uh, an attitude to life? You know between Lieutenant Dan and Frost Gump and the whole and everybody all the way everyone ends up is Zemeckis trying to say, you know something about America here and it mm. was completely divided in the same way the comms talking about American Sniper and stuff but uh, at the time I remember that just being very annoying that that that, that message was out there but then you sort of take something like, like like Groundhog Day where if you look at it in the same way it, that message there's definitely a message in there about how to live your life and stuff but it it's not there it, you know it, Groundhog Day is a comedy and it's it, it's an enjoyable film and you, you go to see it not having maybe known anything about it or maybe heard something about it and I, I, I if somebody showed that to me now and went oh you should really watch this film Marie, because it'll teach you a while all about your life and, and it'll be you'll get lessons and you know I think you should really watch it you know I would go fuck off I'm not fucking I'm watching a film to be entertained and to be moved or to be whatever I am certainly not going to go to the cinema or watch a DVD or download a film to, to be taught lessons about my life no way I want yeah. to enjoy the film and be compelled by it which is sort of why I now don't want to see Possession's Party because I don't want to be, you know. Uh, but but if they're if they 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 can they can be like a, they can be as overt as as they want. But 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 I mean, if you, I I don't think I would always it's being avoid. Preachy, isn't it? Yeah, I would avoid a film that was marketed or recommended to me as something that you would really. Um, enjoy because it will teach you lessons about about life. You know, yeah. I'll decide if a film is going to teach you lessons about life. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll you fucking know. decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I well, suppose it's it's a thing. Just like a- every film is trying to say something in some way. Well, well it should be. Uh, it should uh, be. <laughs> no. But it's just it's it's being it's saying something and then it's fucking screaming at someone. What does white chick say, for example? White chick says. It's okay to be yourself. <laughs> I don't know what White Chicks is trying to say. The Terry Crews. I think that's when I first realized that, that not all films say things. No, not all films were created equal. Yeah. <laughs> or not all films have that. Because, you know, even the worst film, you start to go, what, 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 in what part of the director's mind did they think this was a good idea? Or well, where, actually, where did this come from? And White Chicks was the first film where we go, this is just, this is a... A, a horse film, like. I like. Mean? <laughs> well, you, just, d- didn't you have a conspiracy about white chicks that they're they're purposely making it bad? <laughs> I don't know, but no, but it's actually just an interesting thing because you you said when you think about the word film, but I I mind one time I I called a cut a film a flick, and uh, you're all what I wouldn't call it a flick, I'd call it a film. <laughs> so you, but you obviously have like distinctive things of calling it a flick or a movie or I a film. I just being facetious that day, though. It's just technical. No, but do, would that mean anything to you, or um, like a, like I like a movie's like like yeah. a big blockbuster? I, I or something? think film definitely imply, implies a piece of art more than a movie does. Yeah, it's it's just the way, what you associate with a word. I mean, they both mean the same thing, really. Yeah, you know, a movie it moves. It's a moving image. You know, mm. film. I think just film is associated with with the art itself um a flick is some fucking slang you came up with (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's a a picture that flicks and so therefore it moves it's a moving picture i'm i'm really nailing trying to end this podcast constantly bringing up smaller Okay, we're wrapping up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, you know, suggest your own tiny small topic that I can bring up right at the end of the podcast and just <laughs> extend it even further. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments or reviews on iTunes, ACAST, or any podcast service you like. And I'm trying to find the end theme song, and I can't find it on my phone. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for this. I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Calm parents with Calm parents. Romic Swiggins with Romic Swiggins. Thank you so much for this. Oh, episode. Eight. I hit a Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. completely unanticipated that Shan isn't here so oh, I, I I couldn't ask him what the episode number was oh, mm. but did you not say Shan's not here not yet well I th- yeah, no I think it did right what does nice people think Shan's been here and just hasn't said anything for two years it's quite getting pushed in the corner that's why he always fucking does it right? hmm. we, 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 we didn't slag off Shan enough let's use the, nah, this weekend but they slag off you know He's a fucking ball. <laughs> He's away jumping around me, a pile of wins at MTV crashes. No, it's it's not even MTV. It's it's a bunch of tribute acts. He's go, it, there's like an Adele tribute act. It's called B Dell. Is, is it in Masons? Because you it's A Dell and then B Dell. Oh what? god! <laughs> oh Jesus! I just H- made that Macy, up. Yeah, I think she's literally way. just called Adele tribute or something. Is Adele even with a name?
Or is it an E? No, it's A. Is it? Okay. No, it's it's over in Abrington Square. Yeah. Look down. Sure. It, he's probably not even there. He's probably just in the house and don't mind it. Fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 